0: that honors me I will
1: honor good luck
2: welcome 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 to the podcast that does i think we're just in the tin it's best film ever my name's ian and i'm ethan and that is it for now uh, yeah. four. COVID sucks, but this case literally, in the sense that last time we were all kind of absent because of uh, byproducts of it. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody would mind this at all. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, Ethan, you're the only member of the of the panel, the regular panel, who's not stricken with COVID currently.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm surviving. I'm the. I'm the quarter that's okay. My I want to say my booster saved me, but I think it's just I'm antisocial. Well, I, I got a booster. Uh, no, because because yeah. I think I
2: think we were in a big old COVID stewing melting pot when we did the resties, and the greatest yeah. worst of we could do was we <laughs> three quarters of us. Three who are probably facing each because you're you're in that little chair off to the side, very comfy yeah, chair, but a I've chair got, nonetheless. I've got
0: my COVID safety chair. Yeah,
2: yeah, the the COVID-free comfy chair. Uh, whereas <laughs> uh Liam, George, and I kind of all sort of face a communal area, and I think uh, it just created a, a bit of a, a stew pot. I won't say who had it first or <laughs> anything like that, but it was this thing where we were sort of updating each other the week, going, "Oh, you've got it. Oh, you've got. It? Oh, okay, great. So uh, there, there we go. So uh I think. I mean, I haven't heard George's voice. I haven't heard Liam's voice. Um, I felt okay. I was a bit froggy earlier in the week and kind of went (laughs) froggy. This film, this film has something to say about that. Um, but, um, there is something, uh, where I was going, I'm going, okay, the mic, the mic forgives a lot. Mics do. I've done, I've done shows on stage where I've had almost no voice and the microphone saves you and actually finds stuff in your voice and, uh, and runs through So I don't sound 100% the way I usually do, folks. Uh, apologies. Uh, but, uh, here we are. So what's going to happen today? First of all, this is Chariots of Fire, episode number yeah. 106, brought to us by Reverend Bruce. Hey. The first. I was going to
0: say hallelujah, but oh, yeah. I don't think everyone wants well, to hear that.
2: Yeah, the first in our um, BFF of the BFE selections. So we're very yeah. excited. Uh, the Reverend Bruce will be joining us in a little bit. Um, mm. And so what's going to happen is when he joins, George is going to join as well. And I uh, kind of give her thoughts on the on the film at that time uh, figuring that was probably a better way to save her voice I think she's been hit a bit harder with this than I have and liam just got a hold of it and he said I don't have the I feel like rubbish I don't have the means to watch it I don't have the means to record or do anything so we just went you are you are free you are you are okay on this one picture of from Bruce said here's what we're looking at and he was totally cool with it and so we're like Excellent, so uh, can't wait to talk to Reverend Bruce about his pick, number 106, Chariots of Fire. Um, a bit of a global competitive element, which brings me to the countries yeah. of the world that we've charted in this week. We charted in, uh, you'll have to do all of the all all Liam stuff, so I hope yeah, you're right this. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm preparing.
2: You'll have to chart, we, we charted in America. <laughs> in, America. In Canada. Canada! <laughs> in Australia. In Brazil. In In Ireland. Top of the morning. They are in Denmark, Switzerland, Ooh. Colombia. We were number forty-three in the Netherlands, number thirty in Malaysia, number twenty-seven in South Korea, number seven in Nigeria, Ooh. and we were number forty-three here at home in the UK. So, hey, chip,
0: tip cheerio. What do we say
2: here? <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't pip, know, pip cheerio sure. or not. There yeah. we go. <laughs> uh, a lot of British flavor. Flav wagging no flag waving in this episode <laughs> uh, here which is all about sport before we do that let's let's I, mean, yeah. sure. I think we got to talk about meatloaf for a moment don't we
0: yeah I feel every time we we record now something something's happened
2: most happen in threes this is a fourth because yeah. I totally include Bob Saget I know Liam doesn't but I totally yeah. include Bob Saget oh I did so are we in for another three or or what's occurring or have, I... have, have the 2020s gone no 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 we don't play by your rules anymore <laughs>
0: I have no idea anymore. It was that thing. I woke up in the morning and I was like, just skimming through the news. And I just had it on while I was having breakfast. And I was like breaking news. Meatloaf has passed away. And I just, it was such a surprise because Meatloaf was sort of, for me, my dad was a massive um, rock fan and alternate rock. So when I was like three or four years old, he'd blare bat out of hell. So the first song I, I properly learned as a kid was bat out of hell. I might take umbrage with the
2: alternative rock or alternate rock, as you called it. Like, here's my rock, and then here's the rock I use on the other days. So that's my alternate to rock. <laughs> um, in the sense that, like, like, Be bad of Hell too was, like one of the world's greatest selling albums at the time. Like, Meatloaf was legit star. You, you were oh, quirky yeah. if you liked Meatloaf. You were the mainstream. Everybody loved Meatloaf. <laughs>
0: I meant it more in the way that when, when bat Out of hell first came out, it was like, no one really liked it. And it only started to pick up after a while. Cause he was sort of, it was a mix. I, I've seen a lot of meatloaf, like mini docs this week. And that was the one thing that was like, people didn't really like it until it sort of grew. Cause it got denied by like a couple studios. Probably because the just,
2: name um, of the, uh,
0: yeah, you break it down. It's like the song, what's it about? It's about a bat out of hell. And it's like, what does that mean? But it's, it's, it's incredible. And I mean, plus Rocky Horror, Fight Club, all all these great things. I
2: was was looking here. um, Bad Out of Hell went to number one in the Australian charts and the Dutch charts and the Kiwi charts. Um, it was a top 10 album in Canada, five, number 10, nine in the UK, number 14 on the U S billboard, uh, 200 and then at the hell too, would take that and just say, hold my beer. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and bad hell actually became part of the vernacular if it wasn't already. So mm. um, there we go in, in that regard. Uh, and you mentioned, yeah, I mean, um, you didn't mention spice world.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have my reasons for that,
2: <laughs> but no, we've got, um, we we've, we've got, Something we've done here on the pod. We he's fantastic in Fight Club. I think we gushed yeah. about that on the Fight Club episode.
0: I so, forget he's in it, and then like I, I see like some of the stuff pop up again. I'm like uh,
2: Yeah. I, I I tweeted out from the account. His name was Robert Paulson. Mm. You know? Only mm. only in death did Project Mayhem members get their names back. Um and then um we had um, and we've got one to come, hopefully. At some point, I'm yeah. sure we'll do Rocky Horror. And I look forward to doing that. Spice World. And, yeah, <laughs> that might be a watch along. I don't know if that'll be a full review. Uh, <laughs> the, so It's almost used a wild card. I mean, knock it, Lee, I can see <laughs> Liam doing that one day. <laughs> but for the time being, here we are. Uh, so we're going to move yeah. on. and do, It feels like we've been doing a lot of these lately, unfortunately. So we are going to move yeah. on. Uh, we'll save it. Hey, last week we did, it was George's pick. It was animated. What was it?
0: Oh, it was Encanto. Oh,
2: Encanto! Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: A fun little film. Fun yeah. little film. Uh, we also um recorded the resties and released that. Lots of people commented on that. And of course, the besties. So that was the week before. Yeah. And who do you think you are? The eleventh hour finally got in, albeit a week late. All timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. So that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, I got some buttons I got to push here. So, let's get started on this one here, I guess. There's
1: a mistake think I
2: uh, We were talking in the Resties episode about uh, someone said, my worst duo is the pair from uh, Twister. and I went, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Helen Hunt and uh, Bill Pullman. And, of course, I meant Bill Paxton. But I said Pullman. So, I think it was Josh from his favorite movie called me up on that. And thanks a lot. Uh, I did get the right. The two
0: most easily mixable yeah, characters. I think so, well. <laughs> yeah. and
2: they're both very big in the in the yeah. mid to late nineties. Uh, I I did get correct though, but his character name was also Bill. I called that one out. I'm like, I'm sure they're <laughs> Joe and Bill, so I'm, I'm gonna claim that as a win. But yeah. uh, I do appreciate being kept on the straight and narrow by our by the Fletching <laughs> fandom. Giddy up, uh, BFF of the BFE. That's Juline, 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 Oh, that's totally I
0: fit I was going to say, I fear how that's going to sound. That's, oh, so, like,
2: that's so rough. That's totally getting yeah. harvested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> said, uh, she was talking about Encanto and said, to be honest, I watched this movie in Spanish and heard every word of the first song. I didn't notice the mixing. I'm going to have to watch it in English again. Julian, could you do that? It's a really interesting thing to hear. Mm. I'd be curious if you were able to pick, pick, pick that out because uh, I went to some of my students talking about Encanto and said, hey, I watched Encanto. Yeah. Can anybody hear of the words in that first song? A couple of kids were like, thank you someone's fine yes no what are they saying what is the point it's very fun to look at but the purpose of that song is to introduce us to everybody and i don't know anybody because i can't make them out and i'm like
0: yeah. that's what my argument it's is. mixing is such an important thing for musicals and if you oh. if you ruin it like it destroys yeah. it yeah i mean even those there's something as little as those intros that we do every
2: week and i'm like can yeah. we still hear the vocals over it but is the music still loud enough that warren's being mm. there uh, these are important things to have and there's too many times i've been in too many shows where i'm sitting there going you can't hear the vocalist or i'm going i can't hear the the, the, the vocalist can't hear the music it's clear they can't hear the music turn and yeah. it, i think it's just something you either have you know what i mean like you either have that ear for yeah. it or you quite quite clearly you don't for the number of mistakes i've heard over the years
0: i've had show like musicals that i've seen what i know that i know the the music like back to front and I know all the words and I watch it on the stage and I'm like, I can't hear what they're saying. I know what they're saying because I know it, but that's not fair on anyone else.
2: I have literally been a, a, at a show as just a spectator, where I've known people yeah. in the show, gone to message them half stay at the interval. So, can you hear the music? Because it's clear because their pitches. It's not the pitch is One thing, the timing's the big one. And I yeah. go, "You are too good a singer to be missing your timing." I'm going, "You can't hear? Go, no, I can't." So I find the sound guy. I go, "Yo, turn the music up in the monitors or just overall because it's it's just killing this." Mm. So um, let's go ahead a few more reflections and corrections. Uh, You're going to have to do this one here, a poet laureate of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Hey, there you go. Said, uh, one of them if we picked up that her name was Madrigal. And Madrigal, I believe, is a musical term. I did a Gilbert and Sullivan show a couple years ago. With, actually, Ellie was in that. And oh. Madrigal was a thing that I think they kept getting brought up. I don't really know much about this stuff. But, yes, her name would be Mirabelle Madrigal. I don't know if a Mirabelle is a musical thing as well. Um, I'm just not that committed to look that up. But, Dwayne, I'm sure you've uh, done something there. Um,
0: it's Lynn mama Miranda, so it's, it's probably, probably, like, a double meaning. Yeah. Wait, you think he named the characters? No, but I think being a, like, he has decent amount of say, I think, with this story if he's going on, like, all the excursions. Maybe.
2: Oh, I do. Maybe. Back, back to the old Disney excursion trip. I yeah. do want to go on a Disney field trip one day.
0: Two weeks to Columbia, I think it was. There we go.
2: Um, <laughs> I made a mistake in publishing the resties too early, which felt only right that I would make Ooh. a mistake on that one. <laughs> so it was up that for, way? it was up for about, it was, oh, well, it was only up for about. Because I only ever, like, load them up the night before. But rather than hit schedule, which I do our time for 2 a.m. the next day, it launched. So I think it launched about four hours early. And Juline usually gets it and usually has, like, a private, I'm the only one in the world who's got this for four hours. <laughs> and the secret is you've got to delete the tweet and delete you can't just delete the you can't just change the, the timing the tweet's still yeah. live so you got to get rid of the tweet as well oh, she had a hold me and said I can't get a hold of it I'm like ha-ha, I'm getting better even though I'm still failing um and uh, I got a message here uh, oh who was it from oh yes that's right it was from
0: hey it's your sister. Fuck.
2: Uh, my sister, who said, "I fear you've done to Encanto what you did to Andy McDowell," for me, I finished watching this last week and was in love with the film. Since listening to this week's episode, i rewatched it for the first time a span of a week. I listened to the episode again. Sadly, the movie has lost its Encanto for me. Wow! Encanto in- means charm. So well, well, well yeah. played, Chris. I suppose um, it's 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 no it's no the girl who cried Loba, but it's 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 up there as far as a <laughs> a thing. Uh, just copying my joke and doing it a different way how about that um what am i thinking here i I think in canto is if you put it on and you don't think of anything too hard it's a lovely charming little film upon closer inspection it just doesn't hold up to some of the others
0: especially like because the news has come out it's now that we don't talk about bruno's like the number one disney song now in the charts and i'm like I don't remember that. I remember the, the first song. Yeah. was the rhythm. I don't remember. We don't talk. It might just be a me thing because I've been humming the opening, or at least the, the the music of it.
2: Yeah. I also saw some sort of statistic that said um, Luisa's merchandise is outselling uh, Isabella's merchandise. Yeah. And that shows that girls want to be tough. And yeah, I, I hear you. Or it could be the fact that, that movie treated Luisa like she was a morally good character for the full two hours whereas Isabella only got the last 15 minutes so as a result we were and she's got the better song Luis's hands down got the better song that 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 song I mean I I spoke to more people for anything else yeah oh yeah So, there we go as far as that goes. Uh, We want to give a big shout-out here uh, to everybody in the Patreon pool. That's a big shout-out to Reverend Bruce, to Jew Lane, to Lena Oberholzer, Chris Peterson, Randall Silva, and Ensign Ian Davies. For all of them, they make it so. They make it so this pod can happen. They make it so... um, You know, their support helps keep the mics going on and the cameras rolling and all that stuff. Um, It's
0: it's incredible. I, I there are podcasts I listen to and like one of the things is they'll say all of their patrons. Yep, and I'm like, wow, we get to do that now. I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm professional. Um, I feel like this is worthwhile.
2: I've gone on a lot about uh, certain podcasts. I'm a huge fan. Of, number one, I've worn it on my sleeve is Pulse Wrestling, which has very little yeah. to do with what we do here. But um, I've been a Patreon supporter of them since the day they went in business for themselves. They 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 left their previous. There, there was a a shake-up at the top of whatever we're placed it right before. They found themselves trying... And they said, let's just go for it ourselves. And they've done it, and I've been a patron-backer since day one because I believe in the podcast, and I don't want it to go anywhere. And if someone's out there saying, hey, I kind of want to do the same thing for, for you guys, that that that's beyond awesome. Um, it's incredible. All the information we found at patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. And as little as three pounds, that's less than five US dollars a month. Uh, you can help us keep the lights on here. And that would be
0: fantastic fantastic
2: indeed Put the why don't you put the fan and fantastic and go check out patreon.com slash oh i love that there we are uh shout outs (laughs) we already did the julene julene song where we went all out of out of uh, sync with each other (laughs) Uh, julene's the only one who commented on my video of the woman making proper british tea in the microwave (laughs) did you get a chance to watch that video
0: yeah because i remembered which one it was when you said it i i I knew which one it was i didn't have the heart to go back and watch it i I one million million percent
2: i one million percent think she's being legit
0: oh yeah yeah yeah. i I don't know anymore with all these there's no no
2: no half of them but i think she is
0: yeah i i see so many of them it sort of just desensitizes me because there was one that was like dumbo and they put their prawns and like Three hours early, and I'm like, there's just rubber boots. But it's but, awful. I hate it. It's a genre I hate. But but
2: but mainly that she had a daughter with her. The daughter's a blip like the kids aren't that good of an actor. You know what I mean? Like if she was in on it, yeah, you'd be able to tell. So <laughs> um there was that. Uh so there we go. Uh Kelly Madden for the Love. Life talks of Aubrey Nicole for the Love. Uh, that was our poet laureate, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who shouted out a response to I think it was Podbean or someone who said? Shout out your favorite woman in podcasting, and he named some of the some of the heavyweights of film oh. podcasting. And top of the list, above some big names, top of the list, our very own Georgia here from the BFE, and well deserved. I hey. think Georgia does a great oh, yeah. job here on the pod. Um, kind of, I mean, there's kind of there's, there's a sort of female representations we see in, in a lot of the media, and I think Georgia has her own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I I don't th- yeah. There's I don't think Georgia fits into um a one of those three or four predefined roles that we tend to see women involved in in sort of yeah. mass media. I think she does a really good job. And so I'm glad to see someone give her an individualized shout out on that scale.
0: Hmm. I wouldn't say it's the every woman, because that's sort of that's always a very weird thing to say, but it's so like doesn't fit the regular binary and it's actually like so explorative to yep. what film can be for so many people and it it's such an interesting thing when whenever she goes on a, on like just a deep dive or something and,
2: and george's role in the pod is much more than just the the, the sort of token <laughs> female i mean for, for a long time we had we had two women on the panel and yeah. so we really when we really enjoyed that fact um so she's both that's part of her identity but her identity goes a lot further than than, than her gender this is my identity goes a lot further than my gender there's a lot of adjectives that describe who I am, uh, depending yeah. on what time it is. It might be my age. It might be my gender. It might be my sexuality. It might be, <laughs> I'm coming to you from the, here's the straight perspective. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it, could be, um, it could be my nationality. It could be all sorts of things that sort of help yeah. with that. And so uh, George does a really excellent job, and I'm glad to see her get a few props here. Uh, yeah. Cheap seat reviews. I love Danny and Drew from It's a Musical, who first off, A, they have a great show.
0: <laughs> oh yeah and
2: then on top of that for all the love and yeah. kevin from the podcast that would not die for not letting moonfall die in my life he keeps putting prom- <laughs> I, I will never see this film i will never The joke, we should all go see, I'm, I'm not doing it i'm not doing a joke review of it i ain't doing it if it
0: uh, comes on to streaming that i'll that i'll see it then maybe a, maybe I'm never give a get money
2: maybe april 1st at some point i'll do a watch yeah. maybe that's what i'll do um Vern from cinema recall great guy thanks for the love shoot the yeah. flick for the love so wizard podcast and their cast of like seven people for all the love <laughs> uh even the score for the love alex for main street finance where are hey. you been alex it's been a bit for the love uh, on second watch um who said in, 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 re- in response to a, a tweet that was sort of singled us out uh, said they can't compete with us, and I think they're wrong. It was a really lovely, yeah. lovely thing to read that someone thinks you're really good. That was lovely, yeah. but I'm like on second watch. You guys do fantastic stuff. Please, oh, yeah. please, don't be saying that. I think you're great. Um, someone called, and uh, I, this is your generation's lingo. Uh, I was yeah. called you Ian Chase. Your generation's <laughs> lingo, Ethan, the yeah. the Yeatmeister.
0: That my god that's a that's a word that i haven't heard for so, like a couple, years, a couple years now my goodness
2: um they were looking for for podcast tracks so doing yeah. what i do i went hey have you heard about us and i got <laughs> hey i have almost half a year later i'm still listening love the group dynamics and the good conversations even at my new job the podcast never fails to make a workday enjoyable
0: wow and i'm like take that
2: incredible absolutely robbie williams gary barlow all the members of take that thank you very much Asked if i could jason share it. Or,
0: is jason orange take that, or is I,
2: that i have no idea i've I'm just gonna, exa- I've, I've so. exhausted my knowledge to take that members. <laughs> uh but there we go uh there is the uh the two i know Lee, Lee would know all five uh but Heatmeister oh, yeah. did say i could share that so thank you very much Excellent. To the meister That's like it's just a built-in <laughs> name already. Uh to Hermes. Oh,
0: that's
2: such, that's, I'd hear that on any video game. I love he, that. To Hermes uh made a little <laughs> list of his worst of the resties. Uh George's <laughs> Matrix Obsession. Uh Liam's Parasite. I, I I I full out said Liam's just like a yeah. parasite is irrational. Oh yeah. Like I get the <laughs> idea where he goes, I don't like the film and I'll, I'll debate that with him because I'm like, it's a great yeah. film. But when he goes, the set design's not good, I'm like, dude. The script, like, the script is bloody fantastic. Yeah. Like the story is just fa- I think it turned into I don't remember it, therefore it gets my vote. And I'm like, no, 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 no. How about you go for things you remember being poor rather than just.
0: I do think it's of one of here. those things. Sometimes with uh, subtitle films, foreign language films, there is always that sort of um, apprehension and almost dislike because it because the second you you sort of have to focus not just on the film but also subtitles, it yep. can become difficult for some people. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Um, That being said... I'm just going, oh, I don't know, I, 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 I like yeah. Parasite, I did, so. Oh, yeah, like, I, there, I've watched it a couple times, yeah. so I just, I, I
0: adored Apparently it.
2: Apparently the thing I it. did wrong was just I didn't <laughs> take Georgia's task enough, and I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't. <laughs> no,
0: no. That,
2: that's just you putting two votes on the Georgia, I'm, 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 not, I'm not taking it, I told him today, the I said, I am not wearing that, that is not a fault or a failing, sorry. <laughs> and then the worst part you did was nothing, he just loved everything yeah, you did. Yeah, that was great. And I said, then you need to rethink your life, everything you've done <laughs> lines up with Ethan
0: i think that's the real simba <laughs> like with that list is trusting me was I all was the-, the one there was like paddington Bear. you're like
2: all these things going you're like yeah. oh wait, hang on how much credibility can he have he agrees with everything <laughs> Ethan says uh, what else do we have here we've got uh, russell the post he said he loved hearing the Russy the postal gaff again <laughs> uh carlos said he almost hit a cat when george said groundhog day for worst script and then he almost hit a tree when liam said parasite for worst script that's all i'm saying it's just irrational and george is as willing to stand on either because this groundhog day it has to be a tight script or the film can't work yeah yeah
0: it's one of the few that i've seen time loops actually do really well and there's nothing that can really uh, replicate that. I haven't that seen I've Palm seen.
2: Springs, although I hear Palm Springs is a yeah, really good. That's it's the like one
0: that I need to. It's a
2: good spiritual successor, I think. Yeah,
0: that's Happy the Death that's the buzz. The,
2: yeah. uh, to my sister, I'm not playing the uh, the thing again. Who says I'm more like my mom than I thought? I've been singing the wrong words to Smash Mouth's All Star wrong all along. Uh, some direct uh, uh, right quote. Somebody once told me the world is going to owe me, which of course it's the world is going to roll me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I, I I probably got it wrong for a while myself but says took maybe 20, not
0: the sharpest tool in the shed you maybe not
2: it's like 21 <laughs> years and my brother's singing it approximately 3500 miles away for me to finally hear it correctly hashtag Ian song school I, I don't think the distance really really matters curse once something's uploaded on the on the internet it's like we're all like next door to each other so uh, yeah. just saying um, the, uh, another Ian from uh, from from bit dead thanks a lot for listening Josh makes hey. movie Mr. Charlton who is from the post wrestling fan community and gave Give a shout out to John Pollock and Wei Ting for having the third best podcast out there. I followed up with, "Well, now you got to say what two and one are." Oh yeah, you got to. Number two was another wrestling podcast, James E. Cornett, yeah. who he does great stuff. And then a direct quote, number one with a bullet is bfe and i was like what (laughs) i was not expecting that so uh i say a bullet's an apt metaphor because we've always got one in the chamber but yeah that was that was great mr Charlton. thank you so much for letting us know that uh we've got um and then we had a big game of thrones beef off there (laughs) i I never said game of thrones was a stupid show i said game of thrones ends badly that's my perspective.
0: I started Game of Thrones just a bit before it finished, oh, really? and I found out. and the backlash from the anime made me go, "I don't have the energy for this," because it's 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 one of those shows that if I get into it and I know and I know that I'm going to hate the end, there is no point for that full journey if it's not going to be satisfying.
2: Yeah, there is. Um... No one who was more into Game of Thrones. Well, I'm gonna say no one, but like I was that like high level. Like I was yeah. watching videos on YouTube about how the theories were gonna go, and then I thought, hang on, I don't want to spoil anything. So then I went the opposite and shut all the theories down, and mm-hmm. then I was still just really upset with how it went. So it, my <laughs> my criticisms are not from a place of I don't want to like this just the opposite i wanted to like the end so much and it yeah. killed me when it wasn't very good um we had some uh, proper oh eventually hermes relented and went hashtag <laughs> ian is always right um wow. finally we had some candle gifts from juin ian davies cheesy hermes josh from your next a movie and Dwayne smith and the best one for my money is um Josh, from your next favorite movie, did one of Oprah going, you get a candle, you get a candle, everybody gets a candle. So, Josh, thank you. I love that. You win our gift of the week. And that's about it. So uh, why not give us a lovely review on Spotify, maybe even on Apple Podcasts. We think that five over here is a bit of a magic number.
0: So yeah,
2: that brings us around to uh, Chariots of Fire. Ethan, had you ever seen this before?
0: No, my only knowledge of this, and this is going to hurt some people, I'm sure, is, uh, is the music and also the uh, London Olympics opening ceremony where they had like Mr. Bean. Someone uh, referenced that, yeah. Yeah, there's he's like a dream sequence where he's performing the song and he just pretends, he just dreams he's in Chariot's he's, Fire's yeah. opening. Um,
2: yeah, I'd seen it a long time ago and didn't really remember. Actually, I think I did remember it. I just think it's a bit of a slow movie. Is yeah. what, what I think it is. Um, I believe Liam has never seen it, and we have no notes for him mm. because he didn't get a chance to see it. And Georgia hadn't seen it before, mm. so she'll have some notes and a grade and number and all that stuff. Later on today. But uh, here we are. Uh, let's take a dive into the context. A little bit a brief one. I think Reverend Bruce has got some knowledge he's going to drop. But yeah. let's take a look. So, producer David Putnam was looking for a story in the mold of a man for all seasons from 1966 regarding someone who follows his conscience and felt sports created clear uh, situations for this to occur. Uh, he discovered the story of Eric Liddell uh, by accident in 1977 when he happened upon a – sorry, in 1977 when he happened upon a reference book in, on the Olympics in, while housebound from the flu in a rented house in Los Angeles. Uh, he then commissioned screenwriter Colin Whalen to do an enormous amount of research for for, for script, uh, amongst other things uh, – Welland took out advertisements in London newspapers seeking memories from people from the 1924 Olympics. He went to the National Film Archives for pictures and footage of the 24 Olympics and interviewed just about everybody who was still alive, barely missing Harold Abrahams, who died on the 14th of January 1978, but did attend his memorial service, which inspires a couple scenes as we saw in the movie. Uh, Aubrey Montague's son saw Welland's newspaper ad and sent him copies of the letters his father had sent home uh, which gave Welland something to use as a narrative bridge in the film um, and outside of that there was just a couple of things that were shifted for you know neatness of storytelling uh, initial financing was provided by Goldcrest Films who then sold the project but intelligently kept the percentage of the profits hmm. and uh, Putnam shows Hugh Hudson uh, who made advertisements and documentaries and had never done a feature film before (laughs) to direct chariots of fire because they'd known each other since the 60s and the decision was made to cast young unknown actors in all the major roles and to back them up by using veterans in the supporting cast of which i recognize two big names in in the in the in the cast so there we
0: go yeah there were i think out of the entire film there may be three i noticed yeah maybe four okay but that but that was a
2: so i guess let's begin take me to church uh we're at the funeral of the legendary herb abrahams and um we get told by the speaker i didn't catch which which young man it was who was uh talking at the time it might have been lord Lindsay. it might not have been think, it I might think. have been uh but it's just him and aubrey montague are the only two mm. left and so this is what we we're already going into the beach running scene. Like we are like thirty <laughs> seconds in, and it's like oh that I thing didn't you remember it was so soon. Yeah, we're gonna give it to you now. And they're all running on the beach, and the one guy who plays uh, Lord Lindsay is just like w- he's wearing all the sand from everybody in front of him <laughs> all over his face and his shirt, and yet he's still smiling. Uh, these scenes uh, supposed to be running towards the Carlton Hotels at Broadstairs, Kent, were shot in Scotland. Uh, next to the 18th hole of the old course at St. Andrews. Uh, a plaque's there now which commemorates the filming. Uh, besides the lead actors, the other people you see running beside them are St. Andrews golf caddies. Wow. Uh, ben, ben Cross, who would play, oh, I think, uh, oh, but Ben, ben Cross Herald. plays Harold, yeah, yeah, said the most awful memory of the physical, uh, were the physical demands of the movie was running on the beach barefoot, so that was the hardest thing he had to do.
0: I can imagine, because it'll be, it'll be cold and awful and... and he- but heavy but slippy yeah. at the same
2: time, and you get a splashed by the people in front of you. Oh, it'll just be unpleasant. And the camera pans around and introduces us to basically half a dozen boys, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people I'm going to pay attention to in this movie. And then there really wasn't. It's like maybe five, four
0: like five or six in total. Well, two main of ones. Like, of the boys, yeah.
2: Two main ones. There were supposed to be three main ones. And then the third one was a, a proper aristocrat type, and he refused yeah. to participate. And so they created Lord Lindsay as a fictional version
0: of him. Oh, okay.
2: So they just created Lord Lindsay and basically gave him that role. So the idea being you've got these three very different boys there. Because I mean, it's kind of an yeah. interesting – they probably hit the pause button because it's not as – If you've got two real life stories, you can really kind of, you know, push the pedal down on them. Whereas Lord Lindsay, because he's fictional, they kind of only go halfway in with him. But it would have been really interesting. You had, you had the, the, um, Jewish immigrant. You have the devout Scottish Christian. And then if you had the, you know, a member of the aristocracy who, why are you wasting your time with this? That could have been a really interesting, trifecta of stories because the minute you make it instead he's just sort of almost supporting until the final act yeah and then the minute you make it only only about two boys then it's kind of like by by default you're going to choose which one you like more
0: yeah because when i was first watching this especially because even the the synopsis is um like it tells the story of of the devout of a devout christian and a um jewish immigrant runner i'm like oh so this is like gonna be them competing get
2: no. No, there was there was It
0: took was, me like a long time to realize it wasn't like one of those films.
2: Yeah. Um and so um we get the title, Chariots of Fire. And when the screenwriter Colin Welland completed his first draft, the only title he could think of was Runners. was <laughs> w- to the point. Yeah. Then one Sunday evening he turned on BBC's religious music series, Songs of Praise. Is that that's still a thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, it is. I, yeah, I, I think because it's Sundays and is it BBC, BBC. 2? Uh, I don't know which, uh, which BBC, BBC it is. But or, yeah. One of them.
2: Uh, definitely not BBC 1,
0: Um, but <laughs> uh, probably BBC 4. BBC 4 only starts after 6. Oh is, so it, it's probably, oh, is it really? It's probably BBC 2, yeah. All right. I've had to
2: study this for, for uni. <laughs> um, featuring the hymn Jerusalem, which I do love Jerusalem. Jerusalem oh, was I sung. Lie.
0: Jerusalem was was our go-to in high school.
2: Yeah, it gets sung a lot. Oh really? Um it gets yeah. sung a lot. Um there's some is it the FA Cup that's in Jerusalem? I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I knew it for years. I just knew it as the song from Four Weddings and a Funeral.
0: Oh yeah, I forget that. So there's, there's an
2: opening sequence when he's lost the ring. Yeah. And so the whole background is everybody's just singing Jerusalem as it goes <laughs> on. So I but I can't hear it without hearing the, the actress who plays Scarlett's voice in my head Sorry about that folks.
0: It's one of those ones that's sort of like weirdly patriotic almost. Like it's such a classic British uh church song though.
2: Well, the, the hymn Jerusalem is from inspired by lyrics from a poem by William Blake and the chorus oh. includes the words bring me my chariot of fire at this point Colin leaped to his feet and shouted I've got it Pat chariots of fire <laughs> uh, and, and and the hymn by Jerusalem is featured in the, in the mm. film
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, then we should talk about the theme because they're running you get that lovely bit of music I played right off the start which I mean tell me that's not a front runner for, for like theme or score of a year
0: yeah it's This will be a really weird thing when we get to Endgame because I think this is such an incredible piece of music and probably one of the only good pieces of music that work for this film I there's think.
2: a second one which is pretty good but there's one yeah. which is horrendous and could be it's like so oh, synthy yeah. there's one that's so bad um <laughs> so although it's a period piece uh the academy uh, sorry uh, set in the 1920s uh, the, the soundtrack was composed by Vangelis, a greek born electronic composer who moved to paris in the late 60s uses a modern 1980s electronic sound with a strong use of synthesizer and pianos amongst other instruments uh, which was a departure from earlier period films. And so, but you, this has been ridiculously successful because the title theme of the film has been used in subsequent films and television shows during slow motion yeah. segments. It, it's, it's always like a great comedic bit when you show people just running oh, yeah. slowly. You play the song. If people don't, don't know Chariots of Fire, they still know this.
0: Oh yeah, this is the thing. I. I sat down and just watched it, and someone was asking me what are you watching, and I was like, "It's the first." I said, "What's that?" i like, "Do you know that one song, that one piece of music?" And they're like, "Oh, that one, of course." And it, it yeah, that's the 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 signifier, like the the identity of this film. I think, I think. it's
2: that, and I think it's the boys running in white on the beach. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it um and so uh we probably should talk about because as i said parts of the movie were filmed in uh scotland uh each morning television antennas had to be taken down for historical realism and then re-erected in the (laughs) evening after shooting ceased and then the film ran over time so they were there for more days than they were supposed to so the local residents started to get quite frustrated as i think you would (laughs) i want to watch my tv it's what i want to (laughs) do And so letter writing will be a big thing in this movie, and we find that it's 1924, and the speaker is determined to run in the Olympics, and I've just got one thing to say, this is the poshest movie that ever was.
0: Oh, yeah, this is like Fancy Boy the movie, because especially with your schools, the people, the dialogue, the dialect, it's... I I forget at this
2: point which boy it is who's writing home but he's told there's um it's like
0: the secondary character I think. yeah
2: but we're told yeah. there's a cricket scene and she's like, oh we're playing cricket she's like, oh we're playing cricket and they're playing cricket inside with a rubber ball and i mean for anybody from north, north North america sorry guys i mean this is a bit <laughs> of her uh, apparently this was cut from the uh american edit <laughs> well they thought maybe it was just too quick I, might, I guess i might turn off the audience they might go okay what's the point of this
0: um, I thought, but that I thought that would that would get them in sort of the, the idea of like where Britain is and sort of the well, the right. time period because it's so, it's so british this
2: this is the most posh british thing ever this this movie yeah. if made today would be uh abs- would be criticized relentlessly for being oh, out yeah. of
0: touch. Um, this is like they'd say this is like the epitome of classism absolutely and i i had a back and forth with this this film but it's a historical piece like yep it's it's it's, a a, a true story yeah Yeah.
2: um and there's this whole like how's that and how's that's what you say when you get someone out in the game of cricket as they wear their (laughs) their sweater vests wrapped around their chins (laughs) those are the necks also oh hello oh my dear boy um and so we then go to a flashback back to cambridge uh i don't know how to say it. is it keys college caius college i think this is welcome to keys later on so anyway i
0: think it's keys at first yeah. i thought they said kings but that's definitely no about- it's not
2: definitely not kings yeah and we meet harold abrahams played by ben cross uh was discovered as he was playing billy Flynn in Chicago wow and all that jazz (laughs) Um, in addition to having a natural pugnaciousness he had the desired ability to sing and play the piano he was thrilled to be cast and said he was moved to tears by the film script Uh, and all the actors had to undergo a three-month running training course Uh, with an actual renowned running coach a professional not one of these amateurs you might find at cambridge (laughs) Um, this training isolation of the actors also created a strong bond and sense of camaraderie among them, and there's a smattering of anti-Semitism by the porter, where he goes, oh, but I'm yeah. like, Abraham's, he's not going to be singing in the church choir now, is he? And you're like, <laughs> ooh. But I think this is Oh, f-
0: it was like, it's early, but I understand.
2: This is the first moment where you get the idea that, because this is kind of the chip that's always on Harold's shoulder, is... Mm-hmm you're going to let me in but you're not going to let me win so yeah. i'll I get close enough to smell it but you're not going to let me ever have it i'm gonna have to yeah. take it you're never going to actually like set me up for that mm. um and we meet we meet aubrey montague uh, a, a nice side character i thought he was gonna end up being more that's why i wrote his name yeah down. and then we go to hogwarts and we have the opening dinner
0: you say Hogwarts, and that's hilarious because um the guy that takes his bag is Mister Dursley and Harry Potter. Shut up. Yeah, like um, Wait. it's like right when he enters, and he's like, "Oh, I-, I can take this for you." It's the it's like the guy with the little hat that's just Shut like very up. round of face, and I was like, "That's Mister Dursley. That's Harry Potter's uncle." That's amazing. I see. That was one of the people I recognized, and oh, the other okay. one would be Bill Boy Baggins.
2: Okay, you'll have to point that out when we get there, too. Yeah. Uh, They talk about the war list, and um, we get told, and it's a lovely speech about post-war sort of Britain, You know, he says, you don't know those names when you look up there, but we, as the professors, we look up there and we see those names um, face after face, full of honesty and goodness, zeal and vigor and intellectual promise, the flower of a generation, the glory of England, and they died for England and all England stands for. And then an apology, but sorry, boys, their dreams have now become your dreams. Whew. I mean, and so the idea about duty and obligation, these are massive themes in this film.
0: Oh, yeah, especially because it's, it's seeded so early on and doesn't come to fruition until, for, like, another hour until you properly realize that. And, then, nice.
2: and then and then what happens? Because, as I said earlier about gender, there's more of a, one identity. So oh, who yeah. do you owe it to? Is it your school? Is it your country? Is it your faith? Is it your family? Is it your parents? Is it your legacy? Is it your own sense of um, m- morality, I suppose? And all yeah. these things are not always aligned, and you you have to choose one. And so what do you do when you tell someone that thing that you want me to do isn't necessarily the thing that I want to do? Um, it's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Uh, and so the question I have here is, what is Cambridge not Cambridge? And all the Cambridge scenes were actually filmed at Eton College. <laughs> because cambridge refused filming rights fearing depictions of anti-semitism here's
1: you know
2: something you, here's something you yeah. here's something you're going to hear a lot of in this thing yeah the cambridge administration greatly regretted the decision after the film's enormous <laughs> success the number of people who turned down this film and then afterwards went oh i made a mistake here and then regretted the decision after the film's enormous success is not short
0: see that's the thing i've been a student in cambridge for like five six no over six years now so i was seeing all these things like you've got so many iconic places at cambridge which would be perfect for this film yeah. and it's never you to like no. it makes so much makes sense, sense now yep. they made a hell of a mistake because cambridge is beautiful as a
2: city cambridge is fantastic i, oh, I yeah. just love cambridge is close enough that we can actually go there for for for, for a day out and a half mm. and need to again once i'm past the well, i'm you know hiding in my house for the next week but once that's done, I think I'll be ready for the during half term. I will have to get down to Cambridge and just kind of uh, wander the streets and enjoy it. It's a beautiful
0: city. Cambridge in the summer is great. You got your punting. Oh, I've oh. never done
2: that. I've never that we should do. It's, we should do a trip. It's
0: beautiful. Um, and then we have the clubs pledge
2: day or pledge drive, and this is what I think most schools hope that they can turn themselves into here. Because I've, I've seen all sorts of things like, oh, we hope we have this sort of thing. And I, there's a time here. I mean, there's a lack of cynicism because in order to back, – see, back then, I couldn't find community just in the po- in my pocket all the time. I'm holding up my phone yeah. to the camera here. But, <laughs> you know, I can find community just like that. So what does that allow me to do? Mm. It also allows me to be cynical and look back from a distance and be all like, uh oh, you're not very good. But – Back then, if you wanted to have anything, it's not just you sat in your room. You had to go to organized events, and so there was this sense of collaborativeness that you know, and 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 that had a genuine spirit and sincerity, and and was and was lacking in uh, cynicism. It was it was free of that, and that's sort of what we have here. Uh, Granted, it is very entitled upper class stuff but i i I really liked it and the closest i saw something like this was when i was in uni and we had some of our opening club days and even that waned from when i first was thinking about going to the late 90s to when i did end up going to uni in the late aughts so yeah
0: Mm. that's the thing for me all my uni clubs we had to do like over a a zoom call where we just check a list so i'm I'm just gonna talk to people online instead who share the same interests because it's easier and cheaper. Yep. Um, there's a cinematic
2: club. I was like, get in there in 1920 yeah. something. I uh, hate ca- to
0: discuss Chaplin.
2: We, we 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 saw the the Cambridge Footlights. Footlights, yeah. floodlights, footlights.
0: Cambridge Footlights,
2: footlights are, are like the famous group who like, um, so like almost all of Monty Python come out of it. Hugh Laurie comes yeah. out of it. Um, Emma Thompson comes out of it. Uh, another person we'll talk about in a minute comes out of it. Uh, Mitchell and Webb, they they come out of it. So, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, th- I think I'm right there, yeah. So, like, massive.
0: David Mitchell's voice makes sense for that.
2: <laughs> uh, Abraham's, we find out, is challenged for the college dash, and no one's accomplished it in 700 years. Now, I pause here because somewhere in this scene, I couldn't find them, but I know he's here, is yeah. Kenneth Branagh
0: yeah i there was i i was looking through when i was doing the age game and it said kenneth brannett and stephen fry because i was also checking because i thought i saw um david Walliams, but which is a guy who looks like david nah, not, uh, yeah no. yeah um i didn't know where either of them were like, ah, I, could have Googled, I just i couldn't see i didn't get i didn't get
2: branna i might have got a different one so oh. um there's no other runners, ch- so we, we go outside, and so there's no other runners challenging for this until Lord Lindsay shows up. And I liked the character of Lord Lindsay as this kind yeah. of wise beyond his years aristocrat who's going to go, "Hey, I'm gonna I'll run with you." And you know, you could argue that his presence helps spur the other guy on or slows him down. You don't know,
0: but because this, this is Nigel Havers, this is the first thing I've seen Nigel Havers in like serious in a row.
2: Is that who plays Lord Lindsay?
0: Yeah, because oh, okay. he's always been, he's always been in UK media for for ages. He's done like talk shows and like I'm a celeb, and he was in Sarah Jane Adventures. But I've never seen him in like a proper role. So this was this was a shock. Now in real life,
2: it's Lord Lindsay who would actually be Lord David Bewley, yeah. who was the first man to do the Great Court Run. Wow. Yeah, not whatever dash they call it, but it was called the Great Court Run. <laughs> um and david putnam the director changed it because he was a socialist and didn't want to show a lord winning and i'm like hang on yeah. if you've got like they just have him run it by himself don't have the lord yeah. Lindsay character show up and then have him finish second uh, I, i didn't care for that
0: that's a weird addition
2: but um lord Lindsay, played by nigel havers originally f- mm. based on lord buley burley burley sorry burley Mm. Um, who refused to be used in quote, co- to cooperate with the filmmakers and wouldn't allow his name to be used. Upon seeking the completed movie, he told filmmakers he regretted his earlier refusal to cooperate <laughs> with the production.
0: <laughs> so love when that happens in films.
2: I'll tell you what, though, the manicness of the. For a film doesn't include a lot of running, and it was. Yeah. To film it in different ways uh, was interesting. I really liked this run around. It was really simple you got you gotta run a lap yeah. of, the, of the courtyard uh from stroke one to stroke twelve of of the clock. I thought it was really good. It's the kind of thing the I booming could see of
0: the, of the clock oh it's great
2: and just the manic uh skippering of feet on on stone. I thought it was really really good mm. and so of course uh we have Harold who wins uh it's incredibly well shot. And then the whole time we have two tutors from up high looking down, and one of them is played by John Gilgood, who is amazing in everything he does.
0: See, I didn't recognize him. He's the
2: the taller guy. He's a legendary British actor of stage and... um, Stage and screen. I know he was mm. an Arthur and Arthur Two and things like that. But those are the things that crossed over to the U.S. But the guy's like a yeah. legendary. He probably was like Ian McKellen before Ian McKellen was Ian McKellen. He's oh, that okay. level of actor. He's the kind. Actually, David Gilgood would be sorry, John Gilgood would be one of the actors that like they would speak about looking up to. Wow. And, you, know, you know, who they would aspire to be. So, um, and so to see him look down and go, maybe, maybe they are God's chosen people after all. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little line idea. Oh yeah, I, I love that. And it's, it's another reminder. It's a subtle one that um, you're. All, he's. They're never going to just see him as one of them. He's always going yeah. to be. He, that's his thing. He's going to be Jewish. Yeah. Um. We go to Scotland and the
0: Highlands of Scotland, and we meet uh, Eric Liddell. What do you think about this season? i i enjoyed eric liddell it was because this was a cat when i first was sort of choo- seeing if i had to choose between it was a an introduction i didn't love but as as the film progressed i began to really appreciate him
2: and they're doing these foot races and it seems like e- eric liddell's just mainly just sort of hanging out and watching we got yeah. a foot race we we got sports day
0: Oh, I was terrible um watching this film, I reminisced on the time that i was in a i was i went to a Catholic school for a couple of years ironic i know and um I was one of four boys, including myself, so when we did competitive sports things I had to go why wouldn't, and I was the why wouldn't we always lost why wouldn't you include yourself i don't
2: know never I was like you if you you heard of- someone go, I was one of four boys oh and then me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But that no, was that thing that I was so bad at sports that um whenever it was like the the boys' um relay or whatever that'd be first I mean I'd be, uh, be the first one to go, and because of that awful head start or like we have a terrible beginning and we can never recover. I was terrible at sports. I was a good cricket guy As I a cricket in my veins in rugby i don't
2: know what it is because growing up in England I mean I did my f- my fair share of sports days and finished my goal, was just not to be last, yeah. And uh, it's really important, just the idea of foot speed. I don't know what it is in this country, yeah. but yeah, it really is important. More than more than anything else that that that, that may occur. So um, yeah, uh, fastest boy
0: was always the coolest boy in primary school. Was oh, that right? Yeah, oh, okay. I was never the fastest boy. Maybe not.
2: <laughs> uh, maybe it was the case. I was. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember being especially <laughs> cool in primary school. Um. So let's talk about uh, Ian Charlson, who plays Eric Liddell. Yeah. Um, the producers did months of fruitless searching for the perfect actor until they saw Scottish stage actor Ian Charleston performing the role of Pierre in the Royal Shakespeare oh. Company's production of PF, and knew immediately they'd found their man. Unbeknownst to them, Charleston had heard about the film from his father and wanted to play the part desperately, feeling it would fit like a kid glove, which I'm guessing fits more securely than a non-kid glove. Yeah, just really tight. We hear that Liddell wants to be a missionary and take after his father, and some woman who ends up I find out being Jenny, and that's his sister. It took me a long time yeah. to figure out if this is his sister is afraid that running will get in the way of his missionary work um Then we go to a uh, a speech that he's giving for this community running fest, and Eric's waxing lyrical about the beauty of Scotland. And I got, if he's grown up his whole life in China, which this film yeah. would have me believe, how did he develop that fantastic Scottish brogue? Is it know, just from no. his parents? I'm not
0: buying it. I get, cause I lived in England my entire life. And the only, the only reason I even have like the, the tiniest of an accent is just because of my mom. But I'm not talking like proper, proper New Zealand. That's, it's such a, cause it, the Scottish accent is also so heavy as well and he, it fits it's not like diluted
2: in the slightest like, yeah. i don't know what his schooling would have been like but unless he was homeschooled for everything i just i just don't yeah. get it um but uh, they ask if he's got a background in rugby we find that out and they yeah. ask if he's got some kid if he can run and sure enough he will and he wins but barely reminded me of the staff relay races we used to have at work uh, in my thinner days i would be asked to run even as an adult I got into running for a while, but it was always distance, mm. so I was never a yeah. sprinter. So I was always a bad choice here. <laughs> um, after church, I mean, th- th- there's some talk that they're, they're leaving church on some on a following day, and they talk about rules and free will, and if God is a uh, is a oh, dictator, but he's a yeah. loving, benevolent dictator. But there's no free will. Well, no, there's free will. You can still do what you want. That's the point. If you follow the rules. Because when you have a choice, it's a lot more than if it's like a you know the end of a pistol. Yeah. And then Eric tells off a young man for playing football on a Sunday, and if you weren't picking it up, you should have been going. Oh, this is gonna be a thing. Yeah. Did you pick up on this this early, or were you just too? Did you already Uh, stumble upon some knowledge?
0: I didn't pick up on this too early. When it happened, like an hour and forty minutes later, I went, Ah. That's why they put that scene in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I would, because I always associate Sabbath with um, Judaism, because Saturday is the Sabbath. No, I, I never, I, ne- I never even for a second uh, thought that about that that same kind of concept.
2: No, I mean, um, we grew up in a, a situation where I think, I think in my lifetime, I've seen a great amount of change in society's expectations on what the Sabbath means. Um, I remember when there wasn't any Sunday shopping available mm. in Canada or the UK, really now here in the UK, you've still got limited hours on a Sunday
0: yeah.
2: for shopping and things like that. Whereas in Canada, uh, we've got, uh, it's pretty much like a regular day yeah. shops are open by yeah, 10. I know
0: America and Canada are very open well, till, like day school, open
2: it? till 9 PM. Um, mm. you know, it's just kind of another day. And I guess if you're going to go to a place where you're going to go, look, our 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 nation has no direct affiliation with any religion, then I guess you kind of got to go that road or else you're kind of implicitly yeah. reinforcing this, I suppose.
0: I guess, yeah. Because yeah. then the, the choice can be made. Cause there a lot of job places now are able to cater around that. Even um, my old job was, do you have like certain religious beliefs where you wouldn't be able to handle like. This product or that, so the, I think that's why it's so much more fluid now for um like just around in general.
2: I remember I got promoted at the old factory job I had, and um we need to get at the at the it was a factory, it was a car factory,
0: yeah.
2: And uh, we we make car parts, but big parts, yeah. And uh, there were some the only time you could get into the line sometimes were Sundays. Yeah. And so I was asked, you want to come in? It's double time. Why Saturday time and a half and Sunday double time? There's still some remnants there somewhere about Sunday and the yeah. importance of it. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll go. But felt really weird because I was church is a thing that I attended every week. And I'm going, okay, now instead of doing that, I'm, I'm going to work. I have to work. Is that is that right? I had to kind of go through a moral quandary myself and go,ing is this a correct thing? Where are the lines? Mm. Where are the barriers? Should you have friends mm. over on a Sunday? Should Sunday only be for for whatever you know who's allowed to work who's not allowed are you allowed to go out for lunch with friends on a sunday that was a thing that people mm-hmm. we talked about at one point and i was like oh okay i guess there's a whole bunch of rules we got to figure out so just a thought mm. um And then um, Eric's parents are going to find out. We're going to go back to the mission field. But his dad wants Eric to be a muscular Christian is the word here. (laughs) An ambassador, if you will, and set him the Olympic Games as a goal. Dad says, run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. And then we go to the montage. Uh, where Eric is running and speaking as a dual threat talent. So come see him run and then listen to him preach.
0: It's actually quite quite an effective tool. Um, Eric's running style is really weird. Eric's running style is Phoebe's and friends where they, they both of them just flail their arms around. My kind of, couple it's times. kind of like he's a T-Rex
2: yeah. just kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah. These men don't know how to run in this film whatsoever. Cause they're like windmilling a lot or just like beating in their chest almost with how their <laughs> arms are going. It's, 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 it's an interesting uh, way. I don't know if it would, work in the olympics <laughs>
2: well he gives a speech uh, after the scotland versus ireland races uh and originally there was a different speech in this place and ian charleston yeah. who played eric had studied the bible intensively to prepare for the role i told the direct i told director hugh hudson he didn't feel the what he called pretentious and sanctimonious scripted speech was authentic or inspiring and so Welland allowed him to write words he personally found inspirational instead and it was the idea that, you know, a, a race is a great metaphor for life, and where does the power come to finish the race from from within? I was sharing um, about GCSE English with a bunch of students, 200-some-odd, and was walking around, and I, I hadn't seen this yet, wasn't prepared for it. But I made a, a comparison to, to you know, your GCSEs. is like a distance race. And, and how, how do you make sure you put yourself in that best situation where, you know, part way into the race, you're not crashing out because you thought you'd have stamina built up that you haven't built up because you haven't trained. So I was like I, good on you.
0: I really like the speech. It, I think it it really sort of showed that humanity and um ability and just belief of of him without it being like some films make it seem egregious but this was just it, it felt so natural and understandable and believable and i really really like that
2: yeah i mean uh, we 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 sometimes when we think of, of men preaching we think of that american evangelical uh yeah. usually you know to the to the not, i don't want to say extremes like it's a bad thing but we think of like baptist preachers or we think yeah. of uh P- pentecostal preachers where it's yeah. lots of
0: many years ago we gathered here and like, it's it's all of that like very throaty
2: very throaty and very it's, it's very showmanship
0: yeah yeah it's it's, like, it's all about the which is fine the the, the acting yeah. yeah there's there's
2: this performance art to being a preacher i really yeah. i really think there is mm. and i've sat through a lot of them i've sat in anglican churches i've sat in some baptist <laughs> churches sat in some uh pentecostal slash assembly of god churches whether if you're canadian or american there you can kind of figure out your uh thing there i've kind of got most of them sort of figured out what their style is but yeah yeah um this was like a really is weird this was a really quiet reassuring way of just speaking to people and then when he's yeah. done he's just like thank you for coming
0: and that was it it's really intimate and i appreciate that there are some sermons that i've been to as a kid where it's like very very monotone but there's so much believability mm-hmm. and emotion in that without yeah. it being like loud and powerful and i i love that
2: uh, and this is where we learn some of Herb Abraham's backstory now, because we, um, we sort of jump back to him. Uh, he's from, his backstory, I believe, is Lithuanian Jewish?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think his, that's what
2: he said. And his father loves England and wanted to make true Englishmen out of his two sons. Uh, he said, except for, I realize my father's made one mistake. England is Christian, and that's where the power is. And that's those who hold the power will never forget that I'm not, but I'm not going to grin and bear it. I'm going to take them all one-on-one and run them off their feet. And then we have a montage of him running to he is or he remains an Englishman from, I believe it's HMS (laughs) Pinafore or something like that. I
0: think so. And
2: I'm like, this is amazing. It was the perfect choice of song for this. I was like, funny. (laughs) <laughs> now, if you look at this, it finishes with a performance of HMS Pinafore. And if you look carefully in the second row, off to the left, slightly out of focus, you can't help but notice Stephen Fry is in the frame.
0: Yeah, this was the one that I didn't because I couldn't see Kenneth Branagh, but I
2: Stephen knew, Fry, I, knew to no look, I knew to look at Pinafore. I knew if I could get to the yeah. Pinafore scene, I could probably maybe hopefully find him. And I totally do. Mm. He's the last man towards the center on the right side in the second row you just yeah and once you know him you like, is that him and then like zoomed in a little bit I'm like oh yeah, that's him yeah um and so while abrahams and aubrey are, are in the chapel at king's college the choir is singing the miserere by gregorio allegri uh this piece was actually only allowed to be sung in the sistine chapel until oh. wolfgang amadeus mozart went in listened to it memorized it from one li- listen went outside and just wrote it down the first pirateer of music maybe <laughs> ever wolfgang oh, I amadeus love that mozart so much yeah he just he was that much of a prodigy he went in listened to it went <laughs> yeah i think i got that and he just wrote it and then and then and then it's like it's like file sharing once one person knows everybody knows and that's it you lost control of the song so, yeah.
0: I love that. That's incredible.
2: Um, so there we go. We go to Scotland versus France in 1923. Uh, Eric falls, but much like Chumbawamba, he gets back up again. They ain't never going to keep him down, and he wins the race. This, I mean, this felt a bit. I'm very curious how much realism's in this.
0: It was such a weird thing. So I was watching, I'm like, okay, maybe he'll fall down and he might, he'll barely make it, but he gets some. Somehow, after stumbling and taking a big four he's like, "I've got residual speed," and he just blows past. Like, the wall at least the...
2: have the respect to show him, like you know, hitting a box and grabbing the Mario Star, and the because that's the only thing that makes sense here.
0: Because it creates the question of if this is what you could always do. Why do you not always run at the speed? It's just that he's afraid of dying at the end. Yeah,
2: yeah. Why? Why? Why you holding back? Yeah. <laughs> um Abrahams is there though. Oh but, but Eric almost dies. Like he's like foaming at the yeah. mouth. Um <laughs> Abrahams wants to take on Eric Liddell. Um and then he asks I took me a out. this guy's name is Sam. He asks a yeah. wise old man, Sam, to be his coach.
0: And the and coach This is Ian Holmes. Elbow baggins Oh, is this really? Yeah. Oh wow. I didn't realize until I was doing age game and the first thing that popped up was um the 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 Lord of the Rings trilogy so this is, in Bil- this is
2: Bilbo in, in like Frodo's Bilbo yeah right? this is okay.
0: old man Bilbo yeah, this is Martin Freeman Bilbo
2: no 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 and yeah. so um, the coach says you're not really supposed to ask the coach to be a coach it's like if a girl asks a boy to marry him and I was like alright it's a fun little metaphor uh, he's obviously never seen Cool Cool Runnings or Eddie the Eagle both movies <laughs> which involve people recruiting the coach but alright fair enough Probably because, you know, both the movie and the historical story came way before those two other things, but but oh, just yeah. saying. <laughs> and they go to see the Mikado, and Harold's in love, and Lord Lindsay's there as well. And uh, Harold goes and asks some girl to dinner at the halftime of their show. So there we go. And they go out yeah. for dinner, and uh, there's some comments about theater critics, which I was like, yep. Like, they're always yeah. nice to your face. They, they'll, they'll put the poison in the print. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm trying to think if I've <laughs> ever had... I've never really had any bad, bad press about anything I've ever done. I've got the bit where they just choose not to write about you, and you're like, I was way too big of a part for you not to write about what is going
0: I on. I haven't had it happen to me. I've witnessed it. I saw a very, very bad show, and so where uh, yeah, but it was just it, it was a nightmare, and I was talking to the reviewer of it um during the during the uh intermission interval, yeah. yeah and he was like this is this is um this is a bit of a slog through <laughs> he spoke to the car staff was like oh great show lads had a fantastic time i'm looking forward to the next one and i read the review and was like this was atrocious yeah. i was severely disappointed i'm like i don't have the the ability to do that
2: i have filled in as a reviewer on a couple of occasions yeah. and uh what the, the benefit is when the cast knows it's a bit rough a bit pants yeah. and they know it's coming then you don't need to be savage because there's no point to it you just try and build them up so they feel a bit better yeah. about themselves but there are times when you're like okay you got you guys don't real. you need to oh, someone needs to make you aware and it's not to be mean but if you say everybody you're, you're great then no one gets better
0: yeah you yeah. get your ex the contestants who lose their shit on the stage yeah yeah and it's i think we all love that <laughs> Um, and so,
2: um, she, there's some, uh, she doesn't think he looks very ruthless, but this is where we find out how significant his passion is. Uh, yeah. she thinks he's funny, but fascinating. And of course, for the minute we heard there was going to be a special they were going to bring out, you had to know it was going to be pig centric, right? Yeah. What was it? Like, it was like a pig's face or something like that. I think so. So it wasn't even just like it was that, that it was pork. It's like it was just like it's the actual face it's of pork staring, staring at you. Yeah. Yeah. So there is no way you can eat it. This is where he fa- he tells her earlier, just before this, that he's Jewish. So there was a nice little joke there. London, nineteen twenty-three, and we have our first ever face-off between our two heroes. Uh, he's on the the Flying Scotsman is literally riding on the on the train called the Flying Scotsman like that. <laughs> and someone delivers some hot toast and tea in the morning. I need to get some of this.
3: This sounds yeah. great.
2: Um, uh, it's the first real face-off between the two runners, and Eric Liddell wins, and it's not even close.
0: Oh, this like that's it's just painful.
2: Lindsay's impressed, and then it's like Harold's got this on a video game, and he's hit pause, and it's yeah. doing that thing where like it replays the race from every <laughs> angle. I'm like, how do you have access to all these angles that you're replaying the race in your mind? How are you seeing all this?
0: I had a point where I was like, Man, is this like. Is part of this was like, oh, maybe this is like in his head. He's just this is like his nerves beforehand, and now he's going to get to do it. And I'm like, oh no, he's just he's just suffering so much. A technique they would use again later, but I'm, I just I didn't like it either yeah. time. Didn't like it either Because time. both times I was like, oh, this has to be like an in his head kind of like psych yeah. up, and then both times I'm like, oh no, that kind of undercuts the the drama for me. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, I was just checking to make
0: sure I hit the record button. I did. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> can you oh, imagine i think i might have actually died <laughs>
2: uh and so then we've got uh oh, he plays to his head over and over and over again he really can't take a loss well like he just snaps no. well if i can't be the if i can't win then i shouldn't run and she goes well you'll never know if you can win unless you run he's like you don't get it and
0: i'm like i think well, she there's, does there's a point late uh, earlier as well when they're playing cricket where like he gets out and he's like, it's not fair. I'm oh, was, like, was oh, that okay. him? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, it's not fair. It shouldn't happen to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're, just, they're, they're just doing a
2: wind up on from. him. Yeah. yeah. Um, he needs to know what he aims for next time. And she, she says, beat him the next time. And he goes, I can't run any faster. And I was like, whoa, there's a painful Ooh. self-admission. That was me on yeah. my best day. And the guy who wanted to be his coach comes up to him and says, I can get you two more yards. Find out you're overstriding, but we also have the feeling that L- Little should be running longer races because we're told that he's not actually a natural sprinter; he's just got heart. That's what he should be mm-hmm. doing. Which I think is prepping us for the end of the movie. But such is we get yeah. some montages, not nearly as much fun. And when it's running in period pieces, I've discovered. Then Eric <laughs> Little jumps in here as well. Yeah, it was it's a bit so rough.
0: synthy, and yeah. I'm like, because it's two. It's like two ears trying to fight over the steering wheel, and it doesn't know where it wants to land um
2: well, eric knows where he's gonna land eventually it'll be china yeah. um but <laughs> he's gonna do his running and his degree first and he tells jenny that when i run i feel god's pleasure it's all cheese I mean, yeah per- life's gotta feel pretty content at that point i, I know oh, exactly yeah. where i'm supposed I'd to be feel pretty
0: good about myself
2: yep Uh, He wants her to run the mission until he's done with running and his degree. And this is where we meet, uh, well, Lord Lindsay and Harold's girlfriend. uh, They must be related because they're, like, hanging out at his, like, country house. Uh, Lindsay doesn't have a chance. Uh, He says, look, I have a chance to be one of the fastest, but these guys have a chance to be the fastest, and I'm not going to be that, and I'm okay with that. And he realizes that for Harold it is life and death, and then he tries to mimic the whole champagne thing when he runs the hurdles. And he spills a bit. And I guess that's for us mm. to go. He's not quite on their level. So we're not supposed to get too invested in him. This would have been interesting I, if it was the real guy and we actually could have had his story. Yeah,
0: I do. Like, I like this as a character because it's very humanizing, especially for someone who comes from aristocracy and he's able to actually like from something that you're brought up being told that you're you're better than like the regular people. And you you accept that that's actually not true. And there are people who are better. I. I love that. I love that kind of uh, admission. Excellent. Um, let's do
2: this now. Um, uh, oh, Harold is hanging out. He's having dinner with the the big wigs up at Cambridge. John Gilgood and his sidekick, and they have an issue with the fact that he's employed a professional coach who's half Arab, no less. We're told. Ooh. Yep. We Jewish like, runner they and an Arab teacher. They don't like that he's so ambitious. And I'm like, okay, if yeah. he went for the gold medal, y'all are going to be plenty okay with this. Yeah. Um,. John Gilgan's very good in all these scenes, and you know Harold gets up and storms out and says, "I am the wave of the future." Yes, I am singularly minded. That's what the future is. Because it wasn't like back in the day we just kind of went, "Oh, it's the amateurs," and you run a little bit and you go, "Oh, you're the, oh, you go for Cambridge, oh, that's great." Like we're going the the era towards people who do nothing but train for sport is coming. Yeah, that is coming. Um, and we've heard that everybody's going to the Olympics. Isn't that grand? Uh, get on the boat, and on, as they go on the boat, Little finds out the qualifying heats for his event are on a Sunday, and we're like, uh oh. No. And then Sybil runs up to Harold. Sybil was Harold's girlfriend, and tells him that she understands his issue. They kiss, and then he gets on the boat. Uh, the real Eric Little found out about the 100 meter heat being held on a Sunday, several months in advance of the Paris Games. The British Olympic team was then able to adjust and fit him into the 400 meter race instead not as good a story that's that's less dramatic yeah i wonder if a scene's different if they sit him down and they say look you can't run we've got the solution and they pitch it to yeah. him like it was a really weird we'll talk about it when we get to that scene it's a really weird mm. scene there's a speech by who i thought was the head of the british olympic committee it wasn't but he was lord birkenhead Lord Birkenhead who actually has a what big a great name who actually had a really big part in the final third of this movie did you yeah. recognize this guy I feel I should because it was the voice that got me and I went it can't be did oh, you ever watch the 1982 BBC version of an inspector calls like the one that was for free on YouTube
0: I might have had to for my GCSEs. oh
2: this guy's Mr. Burling and he's so good at being Mr. Burling
0: oh. He's so,
2: so good. It's a shame George is not I'll bring it up when she gets on the... Uh, I,
0: see, I think I'm seeing it now. Oh, because he looks much <laughs> older. They've, they've, they've dyed
2: his hair, obviously, in both because they've mm. aged him up because they're both yeah. like 1982 productions, but the voice, yeah. I couldn't drop it. I'm like, this is Mr. Bur- <laughs> the definitive, in my opinion, Mr. Burling. And oh. I've never seen him in anything else, so I was stoked to see him in this. Um, And so... Uh, We have the audio playback in um, Eric's mind about football on a Sunday and all the things he said, how he can't go back on this. And um, he tells Birkenhead, I got to bow out. He goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. And he he drops some some, um, um, negative um, representations of the French. They're not a very principled (laughs) lot, the Frogs um yeah be, i mean i was born in quebec in canada now i'm not french canadian i don't say i have to represent myself as a francophone i'm not but i have been called a frog because of where i was born and the hockey team I've i never, support and things like yeah. that yeah so the frog is a
0: is a um a slur it's like a real british colloquialism of, of french well, it, it it's, a, over. It's, a, it's a yeah it's a rivalry i've never understood and i don't get because what, Eng- what
2: the english and the french what the hundred the hundred years war oh no that but i mean like the whole reason why british people throw up two fingers
0: oh no i know that but we don't do that to the germans like i know oh no is different to a hundred it is
2: it is and it's i think the idea with if you ask any brit what was the hundred years war about we don't know Oh, no, they
0: wouldn't know. I don't have a clue. But they, what but was they World War II about? Oh, bad.
2: I definitely know what World War 2 was about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can't bring that up in any sort of fashion and can you imagine yeah. if we if we held certain nationalities? It's really weird the ones we do hold on to and the ones yeah. we don't culturally. Yeah
0: it's such a weird because there are people that i that i know that are like around my age and they're like oh i hate the french like well, i'm like i don't know i'm supposed to and yeah. it's like that doesn't that, that Nah.
2: part of its proximity isn't it it's just a little stretch yeah. of water and they've been fighting forever and ever and at, well, at various mm. points the king of england was also the king of france and yeah it's yeah. all sorts of stuff um but there we go uh then we go is it the third act oh it must be because cue the americans as the big bad And we get a long take (laughs) of them practicing at, uh, well, practice. Um, We are, there is a black athlete or two in the team.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. I was having a conversation with my partner about it, because we were like, we were talking about the the Jesse Owens. uh, Jesse Owens would be 36? Sometime, because it was when Hitler was in power, because we we were saying that like, we're comparing it to the the concept of um, uh, the Jewish athlete and how that would like, be the same kind of thing to Sort of get rid of the the negative uh, thing, and then a couple of black athletes appeared. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Nineteen thirty six. Just
2: if, wanna yeah. just wanna qualify that, yeah. So yeah, because by forty, I mean, geez, I mean Hitler, Hitler, Hitler's oh, not it, in the 40s. Hitler's not playing nice. Nineteen thirty six is look how great Germany is. Nineteen forty yeah. is, and now we're gonna make we're gonna bring it to you. <laughs> um, what do we got here? We've got. Um, the opening ceremonies occur. It seems the only three nations that exist are Britain, the U S and France.
0: Yeah. They have like a couple flags for Finland and Cuba, but that's about it. That's it. <laughs> we, we, see, <sighs> we, we, we see maybe three, um, country competitors and that's England, the U S and one New Zealand player. That's oh, all
2: right. Yeah.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you. Well, did you did you see any any Canadian flags up there? I don't know. I was focusing on the Finnish one. You wouldn't be
2: able to tell because at this point it was the same flag as the as the United Kingdom, really Union Jack, yeah, until 1965. Yeah. I want to say 67, yeah. maybe, maybe for the centenary. Not sure. Mm. um so there we go um and then we go to lord Lindsay, who's got his race right off the hop and he comes in it looks like second in the hurdles and i thought it was a heat because yeah. they really yeah. just abandoned him he's just done and i'm like all right
0: <laughs> that evening, he has his like little thing
2: yeah yeah he has that it was we needed that yeah. so that night there's a full out co- uh pressure cooker um meeting uh, Eric doesn't want to shake the soon-to-be king's hands. I'm guessing some sort of English-Scottish thing.
0: I guess. Yeah, yeah I couldn't pick it out. The May, medi- maybe that's just one of the because of what the um, the director had, especially with the... Oh, the whole socialist thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the meeting's a heavy push to make him run on the Sabbath,
2: and then finally, Lord Lindsay is a solution. I've already got my medal. <laughs> what if you just took my place instead? Now, hopefully Lord, hopefully Lord Lindsay got his spot in the 100 meters. Yeah. Because it was just a, presented as a gift. Rather than why don't we just swap. That would have been what I would have done. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's a newspaper montage. And th- I love a newspaper montage. This had some yeah. of the worst scoring underneath this. I hated <laughs> the scoring here.
0: It's almost like um, Thriller-esque, some of this scoring. Because it's like... Doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo. It was weird. Doo-doo. And some of it was like... It was like the spinning newspaper, but you get like the whole
2: like Ath- yeah. athlete, I won't run. And I'm like, <laughs> Athlete.
0: Like, 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 like uh, at least put his name down. It was just athlete. I hope when Tom Daly gets a medal again in the next Olympics, it's just like diver well, the, wins gold. At least Diver is more specific than athlete. You can be sure. in any event. Jeez.
2: Person wins go we may have kind of been running through this a little bit quickly but this movie had not thought about harold not really not for a while in about 30 minutes yeah uh which is kind of my thing let's be honest eric's the more interesting story is he not
0: it's the more compelling story and the one that you want to see the payoff of because yeah. that's it's like deep rooted in faith compared to be fair. I say that Um I do think Harold's is very, very important. As do like I. They, but the film doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They don't play it enough. And I was really looking forward to seeing like, oh, a Jewish person fighting against anti-Semitism and stigma. I, I was looking for, and it's sort of they take out they, they really hit the break. I'm glad it didn't quickly. turn
2: into overt because I don't know if it was then maybe they missed the trick. But yeah. It was always this, it was this is like very politely racist in the sense where it was like, oh, I guess they are God's Yeah, Yes, I suppose they are. Have our tea and yeah. go back to our t- We haven't said anything negative. No, we
0: haven't. But it's the idea like, of. I'm not te- hoping they say the K word right. or anything. But right, right. Like, I just, I want, other than like, what's every stereotype we could find? The pig. <laughs> he can't eat pork. Yeah. Um, And so uh,
2: Harold does set his uh, coach up in an apartment because he's not allowed to go to the event. Uh, He can't see the inside of the stadium, obviously, but he can see the stadium. Mm. Um, There's a church and Olympics montage because Eric's going to preach and then they're going to show a bunch of athletes doing stuff. Harold has an epiphany. He's never been content. He's moaning about his rotten luck in the Olympics. This is basically him going, let me tell you how my Olympics have been so far. Yeah. Um, and he, he's crashed out of a couple of events. He's not done well, but the hundred meters is next. And he's like, "What happens if I'm I'm, I'm too scared to, to to win?" And they're like, "Shut up!" Uh, he goes to the venue, finds a letter from Sam, the coach, inspiring him with a charm that's only been added in the last thirty seconds. Like he could have shown this yeah. charm around his
0: neck when he was training. You know, I don't remember learning much about. his... Oh, jeez. Sam was a really interesting, he's character, a really interesting secondary character, character add yeah. to the mix, mix, especially I've always liked trainer and, um, athlete. Participant and athlete kind of things reason I like Eddie the Eagle because you get to see that relationship form. We don't get enough time with either of them to see it go and there was a point where I was like, oh, is it just breaking down? I don't know what's going on anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so these, these are elements we could have had. I mean, if you think about it, he's an extension of 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 Harold, you know, we don't like you for this yeah. reason. We don't like him for this reason. And I think by hearing what they think about Sam, he knows what they're saying about yeah. him behind his back. It's that same wall.
0: Yeah. And there's a nice parallel, I think, as well, because Sam gives him the necklace because it was his dad's, and it gave him like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So you can see the parallel between Sam wanting to be like his dad and Harold wanting to follow in his dad dad's yeah. sort of love. I just wish they'd spent some time not on expanded. it. No.
2: Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, just Harold Abrams finishes dead last in the 200 meter final just a few days before <laughs> this in real life. Oh um, no! no. <laughs> but the 100 meter finals comes on, and some American comes out and puts on sunglasses instantly, so we know he's a douche. Um, <laughs> there's some rigmarole about travels and starting points. I thought one of the Americans was like digging a hole.
0: Like, how is no one seeing yeah, this? How I, is I realized no- that for a second. I'm like, oh, it's preparation. <laughs> yeah, it's just great.
2: You've got to put your own starting blocks in the ground. All right, fair yeah. enough. So weird. I thought one of them was looking like a booby trap. I'm like, when it started like a Disney, like like the Mighty Ducks movie, we'll
0: cheat. That's what we'll do. We'll
2: cheat. No one in the stadium will notice.
0: <laughs> that time the Americans threw a trowel at someone.
2: <laughs> um, And so they set, and there's just the score dies out, and you hear the heartbeats, and then that dies out, and then you just hear the wind, and then it's silence, and they go and um abraham's wins is a really satisfying race i think for the viewer to watch yeah. and they cut away to eric little in the crowd who's ecstatic so oh, I love it was that. weird cuz like they sort of decided they were going to be rivals but then for the whole movie never have them talk or really yeah. do any sort of a face off
0: they have one scene in uh like the cloak rooms where they sort yeah. of have that good like, and you can sense sort of the, the tension yeah and then he then he beats him and it never happens because there's never a scene good. where the there there's a couple of scenes they're on the same boat yeah and instead of having Nothing. a conversation about anything Howard wants to do a bit of a sing song
2: <laughs> yeah um so um they, the, he's even nice enough, Eric, to stay out of the camera shot of of Harold winning. <laughs> I noticed that. He, he holds back.
0: Then I thought the, that was going to be sort of their thing. Like, it's that, oh, look at the camaraderie yeah. of the Brits and the Scots. No. Athlete celebrates <laughs> <athlete laughs> <congratulates laughs> other athlete
2: on sporting achievement. Um, they replay the race from every angle because that's what this guy does. He replays it yeah. in his head. Uh, ben the coach here's god save the king and the flag rise up over the stadium and he knows and i really wish he hadn't have gone
0: oh harold
2: i'm like he didn't have to say harold I, I I was oh, all I right he really
0: punched his fist through his hat Pun- at Ru- ruins because a hat I hated that hat ruins
2: a hat <laughs> uh afterwards he say- says my boy i love that yeah that would have been fine just don't say harold yeah. i'm like i know he knows it's like yeah. in Canto when the kid's like, "What's that?" I can understand you now. It's like it's like that. <laughs> uh, Sam tells Howard, sorry, Harold, not Howard, Harold, that we won, that we won for me and you. That's it. We've got today for you and for me, and we've got it for keeps. Whatever they do, they can't take this away. I like that. Uh, yeah. All the extras in the Olympic crowd were told to wear dark colors. They would not stand out. If you wore Edwardian clothes, you were paid twenty pounds sterling. If you were in normal clothes, you got paid ten pounds sterling.
1: Oh sick.
2: Should have been looking for some Adidas tracksuits. Actually, I think we're still a, <laughs> I think we're still a couple of years before those. Yeah, probably. Uh, we, we go to the 400 meter finals and Eric shake hands saying, I don't suppose I'll see you again until after the race, which I don't know if that's his quiet assuredness that you ain't going to pass me. So I may as well say hi now. That's what I think <laughs> it is. <laughs> the U.S. coach says he can't do it. And this is why he's like, I'm the U.S. coach. so I'm going to be the bad guy. And he's going to give hey, up the 300 yeah. meters. He can't do it. And some American runner says, watch out for Liddell because he actually has, little, sorry, because he has something to prove. And he's given a uh, note that says in the old book, it says in the old book, uh, if you honor me, I will honor you or something along those lines. He who honors me, I shall honor him in return or something.
0: I I think that's, yeah.
2: Good luck, Jackson Schultz. And this is one of the great movie mistakes of all time because as he lines up, he takes that note in his hand and it's like a little scroll. And he gets yeah. down in the ground. And then the race begins. And as the race begins, there's a moment where he's like you gotta catch Close to him running in slow mo oh,
0: no The note's not in either
2: hand as he runs. <laughs> And then, as he crosses the finish line, the scroll is clearly coming out both sides of his right hand <laughs> as he crosses. So, one of the great movie mistakes of all time uh, was 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 there once again. I will say this: I mean, we we replay the quotes from earlier as he's doing his race. We don't really look at anybody else uh, too much. We get the, the quotes. I feel God's pleasure when I run. Yada yada yada. Hmm. And uh, we get, you know, Jenny's overcome with emotion. And when he crosses the line, it's a bit anticlimactic. Like we were in on the joke. We always, you know, we were afforded to know he was never, ever, ever going to lose. Yeah. And maybe it's hard to do two races. Maybe the one that was not doubt was um, Harold. Yeah, he always was. Yeah. So maybe that's why we had to have him be the big, like, will he win it? And this one's more like a, just, just like a victory lap going. Yeah, he was always going to win.
0: Yeah, it's it's not even an epilogue. It's more just, uh, well, you know it's going to happen, but we might as well show you. In real life, the note from the Bible was uh,
2: given by a coach from the U.S. team. So I mean, he can't do it. He was actually the guy who gave him the note and was like, good on you. Jackson (laughs) Schultz, as a real person, And the director flew, not the director, sorry, the screenwriter flew to Florida to obtain Schultz's permission for the artistic license. Hey, do you mind if I make you look like the greatest guy that ever was? I think I'd be like, please don't do that actually, because I don't want to explain to people how I wasn't that cool of a guy for the rest of my life.
0: You were the guy that really showed that we could see past our different faiths. Uh, That wasn't me. I will say this. Just one more piece
2: of artistic license in the film. Somewhere in this film, there's a a military band with several women with false mustaches participating. (laughs) I tried to find it. I couldn't. But it was like right out of Monty Python. Are there any women in this band? No, no, no. I love the 80s so much. We go back to England. Harold's girlfriend's waiting for him as Jerusalem is played under the footage. And um, and then we just see on a sign, Abraham's, the toast of England. Oh. Uh, we go back to church. The church service for the death of Harold Abraham's uh, funeral service ends. Uh, he does convert to Christianity later in life. Oh, okay. Take for that what you will. Um, the epilogue. We've had the Herald the mayor, Mary. I, I'm glad they didn't mention it because it kind of muddies the waters on his message of redemption about how Christian yeah. people have the have all the the, the power, and he's going to fight them one at a time. If at the end he just goes, and then I became one of them, <laughs> it does kind of mute it, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and then Eric Little uh, was killed in China. Maybe a little bit more on that in a minute. Uh, yeah. a s st- interesting edit uh, for the U.S. audience. Uh, the cricket scene, as we said, is eliminated. But for the audience um, in America, they were worried it was going to get a G rating, and a G rating is like is like Disney. Disney, it's, it's, it's like a yeah. U rating here, but in the states, yeah. G is like only for like kids' films. So you wouldn't have, like, a, just a universally, everybody go watch this film. It would be, yeah. no, if it's for that, it's only for kids. So they purposely had a scene uh, where Abrahams and Montague arrive at a Cambridge railway station and encounter two First World War veterans who use an obscenity just so they could get a PG rating.
0: I was going to say, I swear that they use, like, the C word or something. I don't know. Because I had to rewind, and I was like, I because I didn't know if they were saying that or a different word. What was this in this one? The one we watched on Disney Plus. Oh, I didn't
2: catch it, but I was
0: Yeah.
2: It's been it's been a mad day, I'll say that much. Um just a tragic ending. Uh we know Eric Little was born in China, where his parents were missionaries, uh during he returned as a missionary, and during the Japanese occupation of China, he was taken into a Japanese internment camp where he died from a brain tumor just before the camp was liberated.
0: Oh, that's awful.
2: Uh, Producer David Putnam arranged a screen in this movie for Eric Little's widow. Afterwards, she said she loved the movie and that it fully captured her husband's character. However, she felt the only thing they got wrong was that her husband was a much more graceful runner than was shown. (laughs) <laughs> Putnam was astonished. He said, "The only thing they knew about Little when making the movie was his running style from actual newsroom films of the era. The one <laughs> thing he was fully confident they had gotten right was the only thing Mrs. Little felt they had gotten wrong." I'm going to see hey. if I can bring in, if I can bring in uh, the other people. Let's take a look. <laughs> All right, and we it wasn't very long actually in real time whatsoever. We are are back. Uh we've just gone through the film beat by beat, but we are joined first off uh from fresh from the COVID ward uh Georgia. <laughs> Welcome back. Hello. How are you? Oh, you are you did not sound oh. that sick a moment ago. That is
4: <laughs> You did I didn't speak a moment ago. <laughs> All right,
2: there we go. So, the Georgia So, yeah, obviously it's hitting you a little bit worse than it feels like it's hitting well, maybe I'm on the other side of it now, maybe.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, bless you. Yeah, Thank I, you for coming on.
4: I am poorly. <laughs> Thank you for coming on for
2: this. But how could you not come on for this? It is an event. We are delighted to welcome BFF of the BFE. We've got Reverend Bruce in the house. Hello, Reverend Woo. Bruce.
3: Hello, BFE world. Good to be here. And we've got to be expeditious because the weather's really nice here. I have to get out and run a race and break the Sabbath. So we got. To-
2: <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding.
3: Hallelujah.
2: Should have had that up ready earlier. Okay, so I mean, um, first things first. I mean, Reverend Bruce wearing a Patriots hat, and you made a lot of shouts. That the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl, go to the Super uh, Bowl. None of those things happened, my friend.
3: Oh, uh, that was a. Butt kicking. Oh, and that was that was that hard. That was an embarrassment.
2: That was hard. I stayed and up. I
3: can't believe Aaron Rodgers went down either.
2: Yeah. I stayed up to watch it and uh, oh. I, I watched the first half and it got to like the fourth touchdown. I went, uh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. There's no point in oh, staying it was up an any longer.
3: Embarrassment.
2: Yeah. Oh, well. So. But next year's another year. Uh, but now we're here to talk about. So first off, Reverend Bruce, let's talk about why did you usually a, co- a part of the conversation we have so much earlier, but we, you weren't with us, of course. Why did you choose out of all the films available to you? People thought people on Twitter were saying eyes wide shut clockwork orange. And then out of nowhere comes this very wholesome through the middle film in Chariots of Fire. Why? Why Chariots of Fire?
3: Oh, it's, I have a very dark sensibility. I tend not to like movies about Christian spirituality or they're that positive. But the reason for this is that I have a personal connection because grandparents are from Scotland, emigrated to Western Canada. Then they grew, they emigrated to Eastern United States. So I'm dual citizen, but that Scottish spirituality that little has, I said, Good grief, that's my life. I Okay, just to put this in context, first year university, uh, I I have seen all Oscar best pictures since about 1939. Wow. Because I wanted to see them all. A part of this is just how long you've lived. (laughs) I came up with 12 that I think are rewatchable. And in the top five, you got Charities of Fire, Casablanca, The Departed, Spotlight, and Ordinary People. University, freshman year, my mom and I went to Ordinary People. Outstanding. The summer before sophomore year, that's what we call it, second year of university, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was insane. Never seen anything like it. Then, and my kids saw it, and they said, great movie. Kind of slow, Dad, don't you think? But it was, (laughs) we had never seen anything like it in summer of 81. Christmas break, 81 she says got to go see chariots of fire this is our life because i grew up in a religious family wholly devoted to the arts and they grew up with the whole they weren't quite as strict as eric little but i get why he wouldn't run on sunday because they had that sensibility that's kind of a scottish thing but do you got did you guys see that anywhere else
2: um did we see what anywhere else i 'm just sort of str- Well,
3: do other groups or niches do that other than Scottish spiritual I know we did um I mean
2: I grew up um i didn 't see it so much in, in in England when I lived here, but when I moved back to Canada, um, we were part of I attended a Pentecostal assemblies of God church, and that community was very much um, when I was first getting there that was that you know, the Sabbath, you still didn't do these, these, these other things. It still was a, a time for family. You didn't go have friends over or things of that nature. It was still that that wasn't what happened on the Sabbath. Now, over the, over the time that sort of I lived, that it, the, the importance of what that meant or the rules for what that meant seemed to get shifted as I aged. Uh, I'm assuming for these two here probably nothing even remotely besides Tesco closes at
3: four.
4: No, I mean, I grew up we grew up Church of England, which is Kind of one of the least strict Christian um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> faculties going. So yeah, no, I mean you get told that Sunday is is rest day, but yeah, you just have to go to Tesco earlier.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I grew up with that. They weren't as strict. They actually didn't call it the Sabbath. It was the Lord's Day, but you honored it. I actually love the day. Now you want to know why? I, I'm a youngest child. Um. I'll tell you why my parents loosened up. There's always a reason they loosen up. My dad was a rugby player. Uh, he, they came into the 50s. I was born in the 60s. He loved American football. <laughs> so you know where he was going. My best <laughs> memories of my dad are watching American football. The first Super Bowl I remember, Super Bowl IV, Vikings Chiefs, January 11, 1970. So he had loosened up a lot because he just loved American football. So it was actually a good day. You'd go to church, you'd go out hiking, do all these fun things. And I don't have the strictness now that's long behind, but I totally get why he did it. Oh, it makes sense. If it were me, I would have gone, preached at the Church of Scotland in Paris, run the race, Afterwards. That's what I would
1: do. <laughs> That's what I would
3: do. But I totally get it. The other thing was a lot of Christian spirituality. And this is... And the actress uh, Cheryl Campbell does such a good job with her facial expressions on expressing the voice of disapproval about his running. And there's all those conversations. And he... Because she... You probably got into this. She has this idea. The only thing that's important is the Bible and doing mission work. That's the only thing that matters to her, right? Mm. Everything else is kind of second rate. It's kind of the worldly stuff. Uh, that scene on the Heath. And I have said this so many times. God made me for a purpose. He made me for China, but he also made me fast. Yes. And when I, run, I feel yeah. his pleasure. Do you know how many times I've said that to congregants? Because they come to me. I was drilled into me. I do not do this profession because I think it's any better. What I was told was you do what you're made to do. If you've been fast, run. If you want to make films, do it. I come from a family of scientists and healthcare workers. I'm the only one who does this. It's incredibly liberating. I have quoted that so many times to people who just are put on this guilt trip because his sister's the voice of guilt. Mm. She finally comes around and she's beaming at the end because she she's kind of a redemption story because she finally gets why he's running. I could not believe because I said to my mom, this is my life. And I find that incredibly liberating in that in that way if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think Ethan and I tried to talk about it, and just the, I, we kind of, um, maybe it was a bit glib, but we went, you know, that the idea that if you, the satisfaction he must find in knowing he's the center of where he needs to be and having that comfort yeah. and that peace in that knowledge is something that uh, must be remarkable.
3: Yeah, and I'll tell you the movie that kind of presents a mirror image of this is Dead Poet Society, which I love. Mm-hmm what's that about it's another power structure conformist power structure Robin Williams is trying to tell them go with your passion be who you are the Robert Sean Leonard character has that abusive yeah. father who's saying you gotta be a doctor he wants to be an actor he wants to do yeah. Shakespeare which is cool because he does it in real life he, he's a good Shakespearean actor and he takes his life and it's horribly wrong it's awful. Yeah, what
2: happens when you take away someone's passion? They can't. Yes. And, and and they know they're not where they're supposed to be, and that's yes. what their future would be. Georgia, sorry, did you hand up there?
4: I did. Yeah, I was just thinking in my in my quarantine state. I finished reading Jane Eyre, and it's literally the last quarter of Jane Eyre is 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 this storyline as well. It's someone trying to convince her to go and be a missionary's wife in India. Yeah, and she's like, "No, it's not what I'm made for. I'm not made yeah. to be a missionary's wife," and so she doesn't spoilers um but yeah yeah, it was it was strange because i've only just i only started reading it a couple of weeks ago and to finish it today and then to also watch chariots of fire today i was like oh okay here we go my life is is surrounded by missionary stories at the moment it's a fairly it's a fairly
2: common theme not the missionary side of it maybe but the idea about what do you want to do and the pressure to be someone who you're not and the pressure to satisfy someone else's expectations that's quite also
4: me. I think, it's, I, I, I think it's quite, running family.
2: Well, I think it's quite a universal sort of statement in general. In the oh I, yeah, George probably hates the film because it's all about running. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but just the idea that you know even in Kanto last week was you know I don't want to do this or I do this because I feel it's the obligation to the family and not necessarily what I want to have happen in in in, in my life. Um, and then, you know, so if you know what you want to do, it's great. Run towards it. Uh, we also have a lot of young people who have no idea what they want to do. And we just beg someone to help, help them figure it out. I think, but, uh, yeah,
3: I'm just saying that is a converse I have with congregants, what should I do with my life? Do what you're made to do what you're passionate about. Cause life carpe diem life is too short to spend it. Not doing what you're passionate about
2: man, we're getting a sermon here, and it's great. <laughs>
3: well, I'm preaching, but I no, mean, preach, preacher. It's I, all good. <laughs> I actually say this, you know, you, life's too short to spend it. If you Don't do a job you don't enjoy.
2: Absolutely. Mm.
3: I, I do what I do because I like it, but I've done other things. I've worked in the court. I've worked 35 years, but I've worked in the corporate world, worked in education. Um, I'm not doing this under any guilt trip. And I'll tell you, this pandemic has just been devastating. It's, this has not been easy. Okay, because yeah, absolutely.
2: of
3: mm-hmm. what it's done for faith communities. You know, half your people are gone, half your revenue gone. Yep. You're kind of starting over, but it's actually kind of exhilarating because we're going to be okay. But it it has been – I've never seen anything like it, but I still like what I do. And you, you kind of feel more needed than ever – because there's so many mental health challenges and people are isolated, it's horrible for community. It's just terrible.
2: From your perspective, if I could just jump on this one, I mean, has it trained? Um, oh, sword! I'm looking for here. I can't believe I'm 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 hitting the wall here. Has it trained I, 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 attendees, for lack of a better word? I know there's a better word than that um, to stay home as opposed, you know, that that, that you know going out on, on, on Sunday to, to a service is, is, isn't is essential anymore? You can do this from home and, or not go or whatever the case might be?
3: Yep, absolutely. Most churches have lost 50% 50 50 to 60% of their attendees oh. and their revenue. Ooh. Um, it's devastating. Now, a lot of churches are building online communities. People are doing it from home. Let me, we did that for the first year and we don't do it anymore. Because what we found is they're not doing it. Mm. They, you know, like we do the communion every week. Uh, it's not the same to do it through the television as to be there. So they say, I'm just not going to do it at all. That's what, and we have people that consider our church their church. We put my sermons on the podcast platforms. That's all they do. Mm. They do they're not watching online. So that means they're probably not doing anything or good grief. They're going to go listen to some preacher who's a lot more famous than me. I mean, why settle for me when you can get some famous entertainer. <laughs> and so what's happened is probably half of congregants have left physical attendance, probably for good. It is so wow. strange, but let me tell you why I like it. I don't like using the business model for a church, but A or B. A, you have a have a business where half the people complain all the time. B, you have half the people who the people you had. Everyone's happy to be there. Yeah, I'll take B. I'll take I'll take B. And seven days of the week, I'll take B.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, hundred percent, right there.
3: I'll take it. It's, it's this. It's the stri- They're there because they. It's it's more than out hearing sermon. It's about community and relationships. People aren't meant to be alone. This is awful.
2: Yeah, good word there. Um, interesting because most of the conversation we've had about this film to this point, yeah. congregation was the word I was looking for earlier. Congregation. Um, <laughs> as well as to attendees. Um, but most of the conversation we've had has been on that Scottish, um, Eric Little character. Um, yes. the question I might have is, cause Ethan and I discussed this earlier, what, this is like the poshest, upper classiest, most privileged. <laughs> the English side of it is yep. very, uh, hoity toity. Um, yes. As someone from, like, I don't know how that plays here, but how that would play in America. Um, did, it, it was, is that not an, an obstacle in the, in the viewing of this film, or is it just something where you go, or is this just, this is what all Americans assume England must be like.
3: Yeah. It's be- if you, if you do a little reading it, it makes sense because current day views of the Royal family are just, they're just tabloid fodder, yeah. but you put yourself back and you look at, Oh, I like this. Cause you ask who is the villain of the piece? It's the British power class. right they are the villain and because that prince of wales one reviewer said he's the prince of wales is just ridiculous totally foppish he's just ridiculous and then when you see these oxford dons john gilgood and whatnot they are so spiteful and anti-semitic it's it's beyond belief.
2: Yeah, it's this As really weird, like, pol- we said this, this is really weird, polite racism, where they're not using slurs, but they yeah. just go with their offhand joke, and they go, ha, 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 and, then, and then return. So, yeah, you're right. Well,
4: and and the the racism in person. Is- That's
3: literally what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm religiously on their side. I can't stand them. Mm. I cannot stand them. Like, that one thing, oh, they must be God's chosen yes. people. And then he wins the race, a different God, a different mountain. Yes. And that is so incredibly spiteful. Now, I'll, one thing I'll add in here is what I love about this movie in, in so many ways. It's meticulously researched. They really got it. It does little things. Well, like he loves Gilbert and Sullivan. And by the way, I have been told in my house, would you please stop singing? I know he's an Englishman, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the Gilbert and Sullivan's fantastic. He's acting at the end of HMS Pinafore. Abrahams is the lead guy. And you're, th- and a lot of things you don't notice until you do. Watch it several times. I got it, and he's thinking he is an English man, and they're singing he is an English man to Abraham's. Yeah, and the yeah. Bite, what's the biting irony about that? Yep, is he an English man to them? No, no, no. <laughs>
2: And and, and yes. the placement of that scene right after the bit where he's saying, Look, like, you know, England is Christian and his my father's doing he can to make me an Englishman, but he's missed this one key point. Yes. And then you instantly go if he's an Englishman, you don't know yet that it's Harold in the invalid role. It's uh it's 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 ironic in a very um funny but dark way. Um yeah. Georgia, I'm not sure if you noticed that Stephen Fry is in the back row while that's going on in that scene. Is he? Is, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. See if you, if you picked up on that. And just, of
4: course I didn't. <laughs>
2: and, 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 and just one more to Georgia Notice It sort of point here. Uh, Georgia, you know the guy who sort of, he's kind of sort of a big barrel-chested guy once they get to Paris. He's like, I'm going to see if I can get them to, he calls the French frogs and he's like, I'm going to see if yeah. I can get them to switch. That guy, did you recognize who that guy was? No. That is Mr. Burling from the 1982 BBC version of Inspector. I don't calls.
4: think I've seen that version. Oh, I'm
2: sure you've seen that version. Everybody's seen that version. Anyway, yes. I, I, I you love know that it's version. Mr. Dursley, though. Oh yeah, Mr. Dursley's in there as well.
4: No, I didn't know it was Mr. Dursley. Uh, so there we go. There we I go. Lots of
2: <laughs> your, your gimmick is 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 complete.
4: Is is safe today.
2: <laughs> um, before we actually turn the mics on, Reverend Bruce, you were you were sort of referring to you were asking us to guess which one of the two characters. Um, you might find yourself more alike. Was that the? Was, the, was yes. that? Oh, see, I think I'm supposed to b- think that you're more like Eric Little, but I think that, that that's too obvious. So the, the the correct answer is going to be that you are more like um, Harold Abraham's.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: For a second, I thought that was going to be like a double bluff. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is that? Why, what, what 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 sort of rings that true to you?
3: I am so intense like I'm a fun person and I'm incredibly intense driven like you can't believe because I've worked in particular situations that has required it it's it, I've gone up against power structures and had to beat them remember he said I'm going to run them off their feet yes I've spent yes. a lot of time doing that cuz in churches you sometimes have to do that. That's a long story that I won't No,
2: no, into. you're fine, you're fine. I've I've been I've been in churches where where stuff like this has gone down.
3: Oh, listen. Yeah. This, there's crazy drama that goes on and someone has to Someone should of, really
2: oh, do a oh, show wow. about. Someone really should do a TV show about that.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Cuz oh, American churches are crazy. But Little inspires me because he was such a selfless person. And those two didn't really have chemistry because they were so different. But I admire them both in their own way. Two different, two different religions. But what director Hugh Hudson said was this was a movie where Judaism and Christianity go along and get on. Because in a sense, they're both fighting the power structure.
2: This is a film where we do center around these two stories. They want it to be a three-pronged story, but um, the real-life version of Lord Lindsay wouldn't give his approval. So we're left with these sort of two stories instead. Yeah. Which feels like we're either ramping up towards a showdown or we're at least ramping towards somewhat of a camaraderie that's going to establish between these two characters. Ultimately, neither really happens.
1: Mm -mm.
2: Does it feel like the film... Does it feel like the film comes up a little bit short as a result of this? Because it's almost like the two of them are having their own separate movies side by side.
3: I, I don't. One reviewer said, we totally missed it. We wanted to see that race between the two of them. We wanted to see Gollum and Frodo fighting at the top of Mount Doom over the Ring of Power. That's what we want. We didn't get it. Boom. No, I don't want it, because the story, we don't want Little to run that race. Now, isn't it interesting, had they raced the 100, who would have won?
2: Yeah, I'm saying, there's, there's this Harold Abrahams, I, I hate, it's a really weird one to compare it to, but I watched A Knight's Tale again over Christmas break, yes. really briefly, and Heath Ledger's character in that, even though he keeps winning all these events, because he hasn't beaten the villain in any of them, he kind of sees them all as hollow victories, and and ones that don't really hold account. now for someone as um driven as Abraham's is at the end is he is he satisfied with his 100 meter gold or is he going uh, is that not on the back of his head i raced this guy once and he beat me and yeah i won i won the gold but it wasn't with that guy in the guy who trounced the 400 never having run it before so yeah, yeah I, think, I think the film doesn't want me to think about that too much <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. And what Hugh Hudson said, the whole point is his religious conviction, the victory is him not running that race. So you don't get the show down. Yeah. But what Hugh Hudson said is you're going to see yourself in one of those characters, perhaps in some way. Like, for instance, that he says the emotional connection is. With each of them, you hope you would do what they did, even if you're not Jewish even if you're not Christian, they both stood up for what they believed in in very different ways. That's how I've looked at it. So I find it satisfying, but I get it if you don't.
2: Because the interesting thing is, you know, you know shoes the film really does put me in, selfishly? It puts me in the shoes of the British Olympic Committee who were sitting there going, how can I find a way to rigmarole this so that I'm able to have our guy – you know, neither guy's the guy they want. They've got the Scottish guy or they've got the Jewish guy. But yes. but, but we can have th- this one we we prefer. Let's get our guy and let's get him running that race. And even that one, the one guy off to the side who's just you know his his job is to be just gruff about everything who goes, you know, back, back in my day, it was country first and then God and then family. Um, But they put me in those shoes because I want to see the showdown because movies have convinced me that when he says, you know, I can't find a way to beat him. And then when the coach comes out and goes, I found a way to get you two more yards, it's going, Oh, this is building towards the showdown. And then you take that away from me. I'm, I'm crestfallen. And now I have to be okay with, um, with Eric sitting the race out and I'm like I don't really know if I am I, I want to see them run
3: I get it because I do too but <laughs> you don't have the same movie if they do and the director said it was precisely that way because it's got to be that out of principle he doesn't run and it's kind of a, yeah that's how it's left yep. I, that's what a lot of reviewers said you're, you're kind of left with that
2: um I'm trying to think, I think it was Empire Magazine over here is called this, I believe it's one of the five most overrated or 10 most overrated best picture winners ever. And you know, if you think of some of those films that have won best picture, that's a big statement to put that above some of these. Um, is it, do its messages of, I think what we would call um, resilience, Do they play well enough in 2022 where we can still embrace it? Well, basically I'm trying to figure out why society more or less forgetting chariots of fire. We talked about about the, the great films of the past.
3: Yeah, I, I think it is a nice period. It ages well because they really researched the 1920s. They've got that. It's probably too innocent. And I looked and I thought, why did that thing win Best Picture? And I think I know. Because remember, that was basically a G-rated movie. Yes. And Hugh Hudson said, because remember, you had G, P, G, R, and X. Clockwork Orange, when it came out, was an X-rated movie in the 70s.
2: I'm glad we got our, I <laughs> should start a little tally of <laughs> Clockwork Orange references. Uh,
3: you knew that was it was, it. was It was coming in some time. I we need a little button of yeah. X back then. It was a G-rated movie. And the Reverend Bruce has come on to tell you this. Hugh <laughs> Hudson said, you can't sell a G-rated movie. Yeah. So how do you get it up to PG? You have to say shit in the movie. Like, remember, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Somebody's got to tell you. <laughs> remember, uh, Abrams and Montague are uh, dropping off. They're just coming into Cambridge. And the, and the lower class World War I vet says, this is why we fought a bleeding war to give shits like this an education. That single word won its Oscar. He had to get it up to PG, which it was, and, and that's what sold it. Little simplistic. Mm-hmm. He said there's another profanity in the movie. I couldn't find it. I found no reference. Seriously, I only found reference to the one. We had to get that up to PG. It's just too innocent now. I, but let me tell you why... I think. It, I think. In in all of my life, I looked at the os- That's the weakest Oscar field I can ever. Remember. Oh, I've got
2: it right in front of me right now. I, I yes. I'm I'm stunned that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is actually up there as a best picture nominee. Yeah,
3: because they weren't really <laughs> giving Oscars to that kind of movie. No, I think they thought Reds was going to be the one. I saw it. I didn't like it. And then on Golden Pond in Atlantic, Atlantic City are really mediocre. I just think it's a weak field. Yeah. I just think it's a weak field. I think you're right. Yeah.
2: Um, big year for, 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 for John Gilgood. Arthur came out that year. How about that? Yeah. I was trying to explain to Ethan how I know who John Gilgood is. I said, you won't know who he is, but he, but he was an I Arthur. don't know. Oh no, he was. He's one of those British actors that you know the, our current generation of British great actors would have looked up to when, when when they were young. So yeah,
3: yeah, and and the director said you couldn't make that movie now because there weren't enough big names. You had Ian Holm, who's great. Other than that, uh, and John Gielgud, and, and that other guy, yeah, everyone else was unknown.
2: No, they purposely went unknown with the with the runners, and they went more established with the uh, secondary characters, sort of around yeah. the periphery. Um, yeah. Uh, a sad part is, it's one of a million reasons why a film like that couldn't get made today, full stop. No. I mean, it's not... If it's not existing IP, people aren't doing it. That's, no.
3: So I uh, is it overrated? Maybe by today's standards, it might be, but I think it's a weak field. No, I think you're right. Yeah. But what the, what the director said was, Christians liked it, African Americans liked it, because they experienced racism too, so they liked it. People liked the the drama it, and it, it's it's well done it, in a lot of ways like to me the opening and closing scene are just iconic of them running along the beach and the, <laughs> there is the no music. time there. that's just fantastic it what is. i love about it it's fantastic
2: and it's been spoofed a million times over yeah. and anytime there's yeah. something you need to have happen in slow motion <laughs> and that and that that score th- creeps in it's it's always good for a laugh um yeah it's interesting because it is i mean our two main main characters are very much on the periphery and uh, there was supposed to be originally it was supposed to be they were going to steer more heavily into lord Lindsay's life story uh, the real life version of lord Lindsay uh wins the uh cambridge race around the square yeah. he's the one who wins uh but when the real life counterpart wouldn't sign off for any cooperation they kind of dial his part back to like half a part like he's sort of yeah. there and he's sort of not. And it would have been really interesting to see how that third type, sort of the aristocrat who still chooses to run and race. And how do we make maybe his hurdles race feel like more than just a plot point in uh, yeah. Eric's story? That could have been really interesting. and uh, Because
3: the guy didn't want to do it, right?
2: No, he didn't want to do any you. part of it. There was, there was, and I
3: think he really regretted it, didn't
2: he? Yeah, there was a lot of people who wanted, who were like, "No, I don't want to be part of it," and came out. Cambridge University wouldn't let anything be shot on yeah. on on their location, and they regretted it. Um, I don't know what it was. If it's just, I mean, if you think that, I mean, the, the director did commercials and like documentaries. Like he was not a an established uh, feature director, and I don't know if it was just this thing that just smelled on the surface, like it wasn't going to do what they claimed it was going to do. Um, there's some magic in the telling of a story. Although I will say for a film about running, it's a little slow paced in places. Yep. (laughs) It it also forgets, like we don't get introduced to Eric for about a good 35 minutes. And then for about a good half hour stretch, it forgets Harold's a thing. So I felt the story between um, Harold and is it Sybil? Is that his girlfriend? Sybil. Yeah, I felt th- I couldn't ever really figure out where they were going with that. The emotional beat didn't hit me in the same way that Jenny and Eric does. So, George, is it your hand up, or are you just doing a wave, yeah. or what is this?
4: No, your hands up. I was just to say, for someone who is like famously face blind, this I struggled so much with this. They all look exactly the same. I could That's just about tell. People. I could just about tell the two leads apart because one had acne scarring on his face. That was the way I was the to of them apart. Um, but everyone else, I was like, "Oh my god, who's who? Who is who is this? Who is this man? Why is he running hurdles?" I thought this was our guy who was doing the sprint. Nope, that's a different person. I yeah, I I struggled to keep up with all of these different people. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
2: I, see, I like the, the rich guy had a bit of a wispiness to his hair and a very like bird like nose. So I was able to sort of. But I'll tell you about that opening run, Reverend Bruce, when the camera pans to about six or seven of them. And I'm like, how many yep. of these am I going to have to remember? And the answer is <laughs> two. The answer is two. Maybe three if you really want. Like the whole Aubrey character, he's not really of any importance uh, besides just he's being. He's the
3: everyman. He's the narrator.
2: He's the guy who goes, by the way, I. Let me tell you the story about Harold Abrahams. And that's really about it. But I think you could have had him as almost an omniscient voice um, over the top without necessarily having to me go. Do I need to remember who this guy is? And the answer was no, I really don't remember
3: who this guy was. Yeah, But you'll see the reason I picked it. It's because I connect my religious background. It is so much like Eric Little. I thought this, you got to do this one. If I pick another one, it'll be a lot darker. Who knows what it'll be? I, I can assure you of that.
2: <laughs> I'm sure the bets are on. I'm sure the bets are on on that one. Uh,
3: there's so much to choose from. That's are the thing.
2: I mean, yeah. Film,
4: I have to sit out.
3: <laughs> uh, no, I won't. I
4: think, <laughs> no. I, I, think no. I, I think
2: I think I would ask Georgia to try. I mean, I mean, if you need Clockwork Orange, I don't think I could tell Georgia to try that one out. <laughs> no,
3: I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And by the way, I was the one who said I can't ever watch uh, *Silence of the Lambs* again. Oh, was that you? Okay. I I saw it thirty years ago, and I saw what Buffalo Bill was doing to women. I said I can't ever watch this again. This yeah. is so, I'm so passionate about how women are treated. I said th- I I cannot watch this again.
2: We we will do *Clockwork Orange* at some point. Um, yeah. Um, I know Liam's very apprehensive about it. I saw it once when I was in high school, probably towards the end of what we call A-levels in this country. It's about eighteen, 19. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to the conversation. Um, I, was, I, that yeah, might be, I don't
3: know if I'd want to pick no. that. It's really good. It's Oh, it's really rough. But that
2: might just be a me and Ethan week, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's
3: it's, <laughs> it's really rough. It, it's, it's a rough one. I can one. watch it, but I'm watching it by myself because nobody else in the house can watch it it's just it's really rough tell you what that's
0: another winter of discontent that is all right so let's hit a button
2: we're in the end game now we are in the end game now you know what liam's not here why shouldn't we do this reverend bruce why don't you pick this week's random word (laughs)
3: Oh gosh, I wasn't ready for
2: I, this. N- neither's I'm Liam.
3: Steeple chase. <laughs> <Stiflechase. Steeplechase. laughs>
2: I was thinking we were watching the Steeplechase. I was going to say that Ethan never th- thought about it. There's no way in your life I'm ever doing a steeple chase in my life. Ugh. That just looks oh, dreadful. A... Do they do steeple have Done it once. Really? We just do suicides. Like that's, now. What, that's what uh, horses should not the suicides, but that's what horses should do, isn't it? <laughs> Jeez. So, um, budget of $5.5 million. Now, we only have the re- revenue receipts for, um, for the domestic market. And by domestic, I mean U.S. and Canada. So, $5.5 million. Ethan, you want to have a guess of what kind of money this takes in?
0: Thirty million.
2: $30 million. Georgia? 15 $15. And Reverend Bruce?
3: I, I know the answer because I heard the director say it.
2: Oh, that's okay. Do you, you, you want to tell us what the answer is then?
3: 65 million yeah it's about
2: that yeah so uh it does really 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 well now granted this is a time when movie houses are probably two screens maybe three screens four to push i mean you know so if you can get in there and be on there for a while and it wins best picture i mean it's got to play for a bit so that does okay nominated for seven oscars uh best picture director supporting actor original screenplay costume design film editing original score Georgia and Ethan, can you figure out which four it wins?
0: Oh, God. Well,
4: um, best picture. Yeah, because if you
2: were listening to Reverend Bruce, yeah. you know best picture.
4: Uh, <laughs> I was listening. Yep. Um, screenplay? I want to say best
2: costume. Costume, it does win. Screenplay, screenplay yeah. it does win. Very good. There's just one left. You should be kicking yourselves gonna be music isn't it yeah it's score oh, Of course, it is. <laughs> how, can, how can that be score so how well done you've yeah. gone ahead and you've nailed those uh those four of those seven so that's very very good um question i mean whose story were you more invested in were you more invested in uh harold or were you more invested
0: in uh eric uh ethan why don't you go ahead and start i think i get more exposure to eric's harold sort of dissipates like halfway by the second they're on the boat it just goes and I don't get more expansion on it really other than his race and I think Eric's is just more interesting or at least how they show her. I would have loved to see Harold's more and develop but it's sort of it it's sidelined almost for for Eric's uh Georgia
4: um I preferred Harold's story but I don't know if that's I don't know why. Well, that, that was the answer. question. So, yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my answer. <laughs> You're allowed not to know
2: why. I mean, I think, Reverend Bruce, I think maybe you gave tipped your hand on this one, but by identifying yourself at the very least as being more like Harold. But is Harold's story the one you prefer? I, I know I'm, I'm kind of being forced to use between your children here. I'm saying which one of the two really gets you more?
3: Oh, I can give you an answer. Oh, okay, great. Much, much of my life, it's obviously been Eric's Eric story because that's my background. This time I said, I'm going to put myself into the skin of Harold. And I, th- I've got to say both. Cause <laughs> I saw this is the story of both of them. And it's like, I hope I would do what both of them did in very different ways. I hope that's a fair answer because sure. that's what it is for me. Cause I said, Listen, I'm a white man in America. I've never had racial prejudice shown against me in my life. Let's feel what this is like. And I listened to that horrible, subtle anti Semitism and I thought, good Lord, this is awful. Mm-hmm. This go around, I really tried to do that.
2: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I, I. I... <sighs> Oh, I mean, this way. I think I think the structure of a story is important, and I think when a film chooses to end with Eric's story, the film is telling me that Eric's story is more important. That it is the one that has the larger obstacle. So I guess I'm conditioned. I don't know if I, I, I do find myself naturally gravitating towards Eric's story. Um, not that I, I you're not choosing one and throwing the other one away, but the one that if you if I had to choose, I choose Eric's story. Uh, although something we haven't talked about that much is I really appreciated the little subplot with um, Harold and, oh, what was his coach's name? Sam. Oh, uh, Sam, yeah. Yeah, so really kind of liked where that was going as well, which I guess kind of goes... Um, George, do you want to start us off? We usually do this. Role of women in this film. What did you think watching this? Um, It's quite
4: small, in it? <laughs> um, I mean, I think there's two two female characters. There's both of them are the love interests. Um, Jenny has more. No, Jenny's a sister. More, is he a sister? A sister. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's got more sway, but not much more because he still does what it, what it is he thinks is right, which is completely fair. She doesn't have to be right. Um, but they've both got very very little influence over the story, and actually, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not a good thing either
2: i think the nature of the period piece this is is going to limit these things to or when become ways to measure influence or get greater insight on what these male characters are thinking i did appreciate the struggle that eric found how do you explain to someone where you find your purpose yeah, And how you find to someone who doesn't get it and then watching that over a, a duration of time where she's like, no, no, the, there's only one right answer and it's this. And he's going, you, you just don't get let me try this in another, another way. I appreciated."
4: Yeah, I can relate to that, that massively. <laughs> <laughs> but like the opposite way around. Yeah. <laughs> where it's, it's not running. I don't like running. Don't make me run. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, R- Reverend Bruce, any, any thoughts on the matter?
3: I do. There isn't much role of women at all because of the time. I thought, is it Alice Kriege? Alice who played Sybil?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I thought she was great. She was your, she was the most voluptuous one. Jenny, I'll tell you what I didn't like is that the voice of disapproval comes through the woman because in reality, his sister was very supportive of him.
2: Oh, was she really? Okay.
3: Yes, it's a little bit of a trope to have the woman squashing the dreams of the man. But Jenny was a consultant, so she agreed on it and she comes around at the end. But that's the part I didn't like. Let me tell you one thing I did like, and this is kind of ironic. You know how the 1924s, the picture of the Olympians the women have the long dresses and they're all covered up mm-hmm. what do you see now when you see women playing beach volleyball you might as well just put them out there naked right yep it's so sexualized and it's like it's kind of and I think it was the German women who said we're gonna put on the baggy shorts to play beach volleyball we're on the same going thing that
2: the, the, the boys put on yeah
3: yeah. Because it's, and I thought it's kind of not, maybe we should go back to those long dresses if the women want, that was a little bit odd, but refreshing because it's so sexualized for the women.
2: Yeah. Uh, what, what I liked okay. when, when when the German woman did that was that was something they did of their own accord. It wasn't someone yes. telling them what they should wear. Um, oh, I
3: loved it. Yeah. But it was,
2: it was, it was, it was them making that call for themselves and, and, yeah. and good on them.
3: Yep. Good on them. Absolutely.
0: Um, Ethan, anything you want to touch base on? No, it's basically just been said. You have a very small, very tiny cast of women. They have very sort of not negative impacts. I think um, Sybil is more understanding by the end. She has like a little bit of conflict, which is like immediately um, resolved within the same scene. And I get it. But her her role in that scene was almost just um, oh, why are you so angry about not being so good for the Olympics? And then like, fixes it i get it but it was i think it's more just like that individual trope i mean if you wanted to go a step further with um
2: oh my word i've just forgotten his name harold's storyline and he talks yeah. about you know um, my father wanted to make us an, an englishman and who holds the power in the society to, to take a step even further beyond and go yes but uh, least, you know we have men And this is a story about men and all the people who have power. Men, think about education, government, Mm. sport—three major areas of sort of cultural leadership—and men everywhere, and not a woman in sight, except for the man to sort of talk through his motivations with. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, even even um, um, Eric's parents, where you know the father speaks of his his goals for his son or what he wants to do as a missionary. Mum, does mom say anything? I think she's just there. I think she's just there. He
3: doesn't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so there is there is that. I've got my list of favorite character or best character. I mean, feel free to throw in um, one of the supportings instead if you, if one of them made a mark on you. But, uh, Ethan, will not you start us off on that, buddy?
0: I love Sam. I think Sam has a nice arc overall. I'm a sucker for the, um, very old trainer gets to see success once more. So that little scene at the end where he gets to celebrate too, it's a, it's a second victory. And I, I just really like his story with Harold overall five rings to rule them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. George, uh, George, I, just, I don't know if you noticed this. Sam, the guy who played Sam was the guy who plays Bilbo in uh, Lord of the Rings.
4: I did, didn't know that. Just
2: thought we should sort of make <laughs> what I was making a reference to there. Uh, Faith, yeah, character? I, w-
4: I just thought it was an Olympic ring joke and then that you were just putting nope. f- putting that in there for fun. A um, uh, Sam as well. I thought it was great that he's actually had some heart and was really quite lovely. And it broke my heart a little bit that he wasn't allowed in and he just had to watch the flag come up. No. Over the, over the stadium. I'll tell you the
2: one bit. I mentioned this with Ethan when it was just the two of us. Is it comes up and he goes, yes, and he's like sort of sat and he goes, Harold. And I'm like, you don't just say Harold. We we all we all know why you're happy. You don't <laughs> have to do that. Say my boy, say all that stuff, but not without Harold. It was uh, it was a little too on the nose for my my taste. Reverend Bruce
3: This should be I gotta say Eric Little. Okay. I like I like a lot of them. Let me tell you something I learned because all of the research what what Hugh Hudson the director said Ian Charleston was so good it's much harder to play a good person than it is to play a bad person and Eric Little was a genuinely beguiling and delightful person I did a little bit of a deep dive on the real Eric Little and this you know a piece of art doesn't have to inspire you, but this really did. He went off and became a missionary and then he did it for twenty years. The Japanese invaded China, so they all got rounded up and put into internment camps yeah he got his family out got his four year old daughter out he was had a brain tumor he died in nineteen forty five he stayed and gave solace to those remaining and i just thought who d-? that's a hero to me yeah the re- mm. i am so tired of christian phonies i want the that's the real deal somebody who would get other people out and say you know he probably do he has a brain tumor and said i'm gonna stay and give solace to the people remaining i i hadn't known that and that inspires me to be a better human being. Would I do that? That that to me is just amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And if we can if we can take what we see in the dialogue of the film as uh, if you pardon the pun, gospel, um, <laughs> then it's this. You know, the idea that when he knows where he's right in the middle of where his purpose is, you know, it, it, he was to say that feeling, and I doubt it would it stopped. Uh, you know, registering his in his spirit yeah. whenever he found himself in another situation where he found he was, he was right where he was supposed to be. So yeah.
3: Yeah. And that's a hard one for me because in personality, I'm Abrams, I'm driven and intense and I've had to go up against power. That's a hard one for me because uh, I just like them both, but in very, you know, I could answer both, but in very different <laughs> ways. They're just, they, They both went up against power structures. They both were true to her. They were regardless one by running one by not running. That's what I love about it. No one was going to tell them what to do.
2: I guess mine will go to, I really, it's maybe it's my favorite character, but one I wish I'd gotten a lot more out of. I really liked in his brief moments, Lord Lindsay, Yes. I, I yeah. like I like this aristocrat who actually, when he's talking to Sybil about Harold, he reads his mail, and he goes, yeah. I can be one of the fastest. I'm going to be the fastest, but he can, and that will drive him, and that will drive him mad. And there's a certain level of commitment there, and here's what you need to understand about him. And for an aristocrat who so often these characters would be written as just the lazy, rich, evil man this guy's not that like he shows up to race at the cambridge lap just because i heard about it at breakfast thought someone should give you a go and i just really liked this guy who treats these others like like there's a certain level of camaraderie around them and i, I do wonder if the real life version of of the man had a had had, had played ball i, I wonder what kind of version we could have gotten if there's because i think the story works better actually maybe if you're jumping in three threads and then it's not clearly saying pick one or pick the other rather than this sort of interwoven braid that could run throughout the film so that's me
3: i love it he's he's kind of the everyone's pretty intense he's just fun yeah he really is
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, best moment best element maybe we'll start with reverend bruce on this one your favorite moment or element from the film
3: uh, can can I go second? I got to think because there's a lot.
2: Okay, but I'll go ahead. Oh, and- you
3: know what? No, 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 no. I got it. You got it. I got Let's it. Have it. No, this is easy because his relationship with his sister is so affectionate. She's dressing him down for you missed the prayer meeting. And Anyways, Jenny got something to say. They go out in Edinburgh, and what I like all shot on location. Just fabulous cinematography. He takes her out on that Heath and it's the iconic moment where he says, I've been made for a purpose, but I've also been made fast. And when I, there's not enough of me, I need you to manage the mission. I need to do what I need to do. When I run, I feel his pleasure. It would dishonor God. If I didn't do it, that's it for me. Because I've probably said that a, a hundred times to people this is what you need to be doing with your, whether you're a Christian or not, doesn't matter. What are you, what do you, what are you made to do? You've got to do it. Check Excellent.
2: It. I mean, look at that. Some, some, some inspiration here.
3: That's preaching. I'll probably preach that next week. It's yeah, so, there you so go. Good.
2: Why not? Uh,
3: Carpe uh, DM, go for it.
4: <laughs>
2: G- Georgia, what do you got for your favorite moment here? Or um, elements?
4: I, I mean, it's got to be the music, isn't it? It's iconic. It's oh, turned goodness. into a parody of itself, but it is is—it it is brilliant. Speaking of music, I'm really sorry for nah. the <laughs> okay. and my brother butchering Oasis in the shower, <laughs> um, <but laughs> uh, uh, such as um, podcasting from home, unfortunately. Yes.
2: <laughs> Haven't had to deal with this for, for, for a while. The joys uh. of remote recording.
4: Yeah. It's, it's disgusting to hear. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
2: Uh Ethan you're you kind of well you kind of do
0: the remote thing more often than the rest of us but
4: um yeah. your favorite moment
0: relevant uh the cinematography i think it's it's sort of interesting because it it uses so much negative space throughout the film and it sort of just shows the scope of like how far everything is and the distance and the journey and a lot of the shots in this are so picturesque and like postcard perfect and it it shows like the beauty of the, of the university and the distance and all, it it's just so well done, especially if this is the first sort of their debut. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you do adverts, you really know what to do with the screen and it, it just, it really stood out to me. Uh, I, for mine, I would go, it's, it's, it's the
2: scope. It's a film that feels massive and shooting on some of these locations really helps with this even if Cambridge isn't really Cambridge it still feels like it's Cambridge <laughs> so, so props to him for that uh but yet it also feels it, it can feel large and 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 world beating but then it also feels small and intimate and i don't know how you do a film with those both those things at the same time but uh it definitely um makes that happen and is a strength of the film is there's a quietness to it there's what i'm looking for um, that sort of sits here, and I think um, that's that's a strength in a time where movies so often get loud and big and shouty and boom, and, you know, Christopher Nolan. Wah, I love Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and, wah, and there's a stillness and a quietness, and I think it really works here. Uh, grumble time. Grumble time. Ethan, let's go back to where we came. Something you did not like Ooh. about the film.
0: Oh, George is going to hate me for this. Um, the use of the, of the score i think it's and this is this is like a me thing i love when I, I i like the music i really do i think the score is good i just don't think it matches the era well for a, a period piece you've got all this sin wait are theme. you
2: including the theme in no this? i'm not including okay. the theme
0: the theme is the oh is the outline the theme okay. is fantastic but everything else in between between that theme, uh, it it just it didn't mesh for me. I don't think synth is a is a good thing for the nineteen twenties, especially because it feels kind of creepy and eerie at points. But it's a good score. I just don't think it works for this film, which is the the, the shame. The bit of scoring over the newspaper sequences is, is disgusting. Yeah. I'll give you that, <laughs> Georgia.
4: Um, honorary mention actually to some of the camera cuts because oh my goodness they like yeah there's a bit of choppy there's some some choppy choppy stuff but i don't i don't like choppy stuff um but my main grumble is the fact that i just didn't like the story very much okay i i think i turn off it because it is running based and because i very much grew up in a family that is very very athletic and i am not I don't know if you can tell. You, you, you couldn't I'm create, just, just
2: uh, respectfully, you couldn't create like a level of distance where you go, it's about, r- like, I don't care about ballet one bit, but when I watch Black Swan, I'm not going, uh, ballet, I'm not investing.
4: No, I, I don't, I, I, no, no, is the answer no? Because okay. I've grown, I've I grew up with it from tiny, tiny, tiny. I mean, my mum ran forty-eight miles yesterday. Like it is, it's constant and she over, forty-eight like, miles
2: yesterday, like a double marathon. Yeah. Wow, geez. yeah,
4: yeah. So it's like constant and overbearing. <laughs> um, but no, I did, I did like I liked elements of it, and I liked the messages. I just didn't like the way it was put together.
1: Okay,
4: I think I think is what I'm going for. Like it felt like it felt like you said it felt like it needed a third strand. Right. Or Uh, it needed to just be one. Revengers. Yeah.
3: I'm going to go back to what I said before. I don't like the fact that they put the voice of disapproval (laughs) in his sister, because I don't like the fact that they put it with the woman. Now, she came around. But that isn't actually... It's a, it's too much of a trope. Oh, the woman squashing the dreams of the man. I think when Puss comes to shove, that's the part I don't like. Even though she came round, that's the part that I think bothered me, even though Cheryl Campbell, the, she did it great with all that scowling and everything. It's hard for me to find things I don't like. That that would be one. I was trying to think if I could find another... That was the main one.
2: yeah. Uh, i mean minor 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 uh but it would be this is a film <laughs> it feels like the two the two stories are passengers it's <laughs> a different which maybe we all are maybe it's a good metaphor for life it's just not what i'm used to seeing in storytelling where it feels like you're, you're building me to believe that these two characters are going to have a reconciliation a partnership a face-off a confrontation something besides just a handshake and goes oh you won your gold medal i'm gonna try and win one later and that's really all it was after being, you know, I have to beat him. And then we went, oh, well, actually, I I, I guess I can't. So I'm okay with that. Um, it felt, um, from my perspective as a viewer and what films are supposed to take supposed to take me on, unique. And you can either go, hey, I really like it for that or hey, I, it kind of bothered me for that. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I appreciate the fact that it's subverting my expectations, but I'm still feeling like I want it to go where my expectations are. So there mm-hmm. is that.
4: That is a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say.
1: <laughs>
2: Long-time listeners of the podcast will be used to that. Um, there we go. There we go. Um, I mean, oh, best role ever. I don't really know anybody from any any other things myself. Nah. So. Stephen Fry's been in better things. Well, I don't know. Maybe not in movies.
0: He's pretty rubbish in movies. Ian Ian Holmes, I think, gives a Holm, better Holmes like, singular. Holm. Yeah. Ian Holmes gives a more nuanced and better performance than the cartoony bah! that he does in Lord of the Rings. Yep. But still, those are two very different interpretations of a character. Yes, um,
2: I don't know, Reverend Bruce. Is there anybody here you're familiar from? I mean, I don't know. It's the it's the best John Gilgood thing I've seen, but I've seen very little John Gilgood
3: the best role i mean it's for ian charleston it's about the only thing i know
2: that's the thing so if, if it has to be the only thing i know someone from i kind of just leave that to the side because i go i really have no frame of comparison
3: most of these people a lot of them like ian holm i don't i can't think of one that but he was bilbo yeah but that, that was all right uh probably ian charleston's he was in he was in Gandhi, I think, and he kind of got typecast because he was a reverend there. Ben Cross was in something. I can't remember what it was. Ian Char- trying to write like, process of elimination. It's probably Ian Charlson. And it's kind of life imitating arc because he died way too young as well. Oh, really? Ian Charlson. Did you know that?
2: No, I didn't know that.
3: I think he died at 41. I think he was a gay man who had HIV/AIDS. And back then, I think it was, you know, there was no there was no treatment for that. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And so he had been a stage actor. This was his famous role. Uh, So his career was cut short. So we don't know what it could have been. Wow. You should check that. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He died at age. He died. Little died at 45. He died at 41.
2: He did die at 41. Yeah. uh, Not not even 41. He was 40 Uh, in his Um, 41st year. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: which is just
2: a shame. It's remarkable, jeez.
3: Yeah. Um, Ethan, I
2: think it's time for you to figure out a couple of things for yeah. us. Yeah. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Age game, age game. Let's all play the age game. Ethan, what we got?
0: Well, first, we've got Ben Cross, who's Harold Abrahams. It's going to be
4: 27. Difficult.
0: Oh, shoot.
2: Uh, okay, I haven't seen this guy. I just saw the other guys. Um, I'll go
3: 23. And Reverend Bruce? Uh, in the movie, he says he's 24. I'll go with 24. All
2: right. He's 34. Shut what? up. Shut up. Yeah. I, should have, I should have actually gone down more of that, because he does look old in this.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, I had a fun game, which was guess how old they're supposed to be. Guess how old they are. Um, next, we have Ian Charleston, who's Eric Little. I think I just saw his age, so I'm going to bow out on this one. 28.
3: I th- uh, It's funny. I didn't look these up, but I didn't. Is he 22? I don't know.
0: I think he should be 32. He's, f- he's 40 from what, what? Uh, it said. Yeah. Wait, hang
2: on. No, no, no. What? Ian Charleston cannot be 40 because Ian Charleston, I just said he dies at 40. So if it was nineteen eighty one. No, he's born. He's can, born. He's born in nineteen forty nine. He was in the nineteen eighty one film. Chair it's a fire. Thirty two years is a safe bet on that one.
0: Oh, so Google's crazy. lied to me. Jeez. <laughs> so he's thirty two. Then yes. <laughs> uh, then we have Ian Holm, who is Sam. Oh, gee. Mm. Mm. Forty eight. Fifty eight. Uh, he's fifth. Oh, wait,
3: sorry, Reverend Bruce. 40, 47.
0: (laughs) He's 50. Uh, Yeah, even if I got that a bit worse. And we have Alice Kriege, who is Sybil, um, supposed to be 16 years old. The actual character when we first see her, really,
3: she's supposed to be 16
0: when we first see her in 1920. She's she's when she's doing the Mikado, she's supposed to be 16. Uh, yeah, from the wow, Wikipedia, okay. from her Wikipedia, she was born um, right. like 1899 or this, something. This is the
2: character Radama. Okay, no, 190.
0: Cool. Oh, yeah, she's born 1904.
2: This is falling apart. Uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Abrams is born 1899. She's born 1904. I would guess 22. 18. i want to say
3: 21.
0: 27. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And that's everyone we have. I, I was I was stunned by the ages they were supposed to be. Yeah. Um, Georgia, do you have any critics on this one by any chance?
4: I do, yeah. Go ahead. Always always prepared me, except for when I'm not. Um I have got um Bruce McCabe from Boston Globe says it reminds us of the affirmative aspects of life, of the hope that endures in it as well as the cynicism. So he likes the he likes the hope going on, and then I want a couple here because they made me laugh. Uh, Dave Kerr from the Chicago Reader, who we often see uh, paired with Roger but he says the battered Britons may have some excuse for enjoying this nostalgic recreation of empire ideology, but what's ours? That made me chuckle. And Jeff Andrew from Time Out says, "Really, this is an overblown piece of self-congratulatory <laughs> emotional manipulation, perfectly suited for Thatcherite liberals." Got a laugh out <laughs> of me?
2: Just just for a m- just. A little political lesson for it. Like, Th- Thatcher and liberals are not two words that tend to no, go side that's, by side.
4: That's oh, why s- it made me laugh.
2: Okay.
0: It's in the same <laughs> vein that Blairites are like pseudo right wing in the eyes of many people. Mm-hmm.
4: Anyway, yeah. finally, last one we have from our good friend Roger Ebert
3: Ebs. Yes. <laughs> i get t- something.
4: He says, this is this is strange. I have no interest in running and I'm not a partisan in the British class system. Then why should I have been so deeply moved by Chariots of Fire, a British film that has running and class as its subjects? I've toyed with that question since I first saw this remarkable film in May 1981 at the Cannes Film Festival and believe the answer is rather simple. Like many great films, Chariots of Fire takes its nominal subjects as occasions for much larger statements about human nature. He says, Charity's Fire is one of the best films of recent years, a memory of a time where men still believed you could win a race if you only wanted to badly enough.
2: And uh, a bit mm. of a put your money where your mouth is thing, because uh, in the 1981 Cannes Film Festival, when it was first screened, it received a standing ovation but the movie was mercilessly savaged by the French critics, probably because the one character in his use of a term frogs in calling the French an unprincipled lot. In order, <laughs> to pre- in order to prevent the response from hurting its international distribution, Ebert lobbied the other American critics in attendance to award it the made-up title of American Critics Prize, which they did in a 6-5 to five vote. It marks the only time in the 60-year history of the festival this award has been presented.
4: That's hilarious. <laughs> One more shout-out
2: to Roger Ebert. Truly the best <laughs> at what he did. Um, let's take a look at some of our uh, peeps' thought before we give it our ratings. Uh, I put the fleece out, as per usual, and uh, asked, what do you think about Chariots of Fire? Uh, 41.7% call it a good film. A good film. 333 call it okay. 167 great. 8.3% poor. Let's see some specifics. Uh, my sister, Kirsty said, tried to watch it several times Times, always ended up falling asleep i'm excited to watch this when i'm fully awake or as refreshed as a mom of two young kids can be and can see why reverend bruce chose it brackets clockwork orange can wait um josh my next favorite movie said i watched this one back in high school but other than that famous score i can't remember much about it for that reason i choose not to vote i choose not to run uh carlos says i've been trying to catch up with all the best picture winners but this is one i haven't seen well so far it's a lot of people saying they haven't seen the film um Poet Laureate, friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith.
4: Dwayne Smith. Oh, we should
2: let Reverend Bruce have a go at this. Uh, we got Poet Laureate of the podcast, Dwayne Smith.
4: Dwayne Smith.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Says, I'd have to put a lot of money on Reverend Bruce picking eyes, white shutter, a clock, or corns. This one's totally out of left field. I haven't seen any of it apart from the slow motion running scene. So I guess this week is hashtag Reverend Bruce's film school. Um, Russell Osborne said he would have bet his house that you would have picked clockwork orange. Glad you didn't. Uh, the yeet said, I remembered learning about Eric little in elementary school. Didn't know there was a movie about him. Well, now you do.
4: I'm so glad we have someone who listens to us whose Twitter handle is yeetmaster. Yeah, we well do talk about that a little
2: bit in the shout-outs. And then, uh, finally, uh, Danny from It's a Musical says, I've never seen this one. Didn't Rowan Atkinson parody it as Mr. Bean during the London Olympic ceremonies? Uh, yes, yeah. he did. Yes, he, he did. did. Uh, I'd never seen the opening ceremonies, but I saw the gif and went, yeah, that's, that's what this is. So it's time for, uh, well, Georgia, What is the if you can read up at the Patreon peeps' thought, but not give yep. away the ratings just yet.
4: I won't say. Obviously, we had a an entry from Reverend Bruce, but I'll leave him to... Do well, Reverend Bruce is mix. getting a
2: full rating to himself this week, so yeah. he, didn't, he didn't yeah. even have to share it. So if he decides he's <sighs> going to pull the a without a cause, I mean, God, God help us all.
4: Um, so we've got Ensign Davies, who is what he's put in his name, which makes me really happy. Make so it so. sticking. Um, he says, I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected. The theme when they are running on the beach is, is fantastic and iconic. The cast is really good. Also, some Star Trek connections. Ben Cross as Harold Ammons and was Sarek, Spock's dad, in the new reboot movies. And Alice Cringe, Sybil, was the Borg Queen in First Contact. I also think that Littles wow. running style was copied by Phoebe in Friends. Thanks for the pick, Reverend Bruce.
2: Yeah, there we go. Backs up what you said there.
4: Um, Then we have got from Juline." Julie, Julie,
0: Julie, go! I don't want to even try with my internet now.
4: Nope. (laughs) She says, "Matt, it wasn't really for me. I thought the score was interesting in terms of placement of the music and the incorporation of church music. But if I'm being honest, I probably won't watch it again. The Littles and Naked Alien scored it high. I scored it low. The average was blank. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then we have Chris Peterson." He says, there's some great cinematography here and some good acting. However, I didn't enjoy it at all. I found it rather dull and boring, but it does have a very iconic soundtrack and the opening beach scene is the best part of the film.
2: Yeah, if all you're looking for is that beach scene, you get that one in the first 90 seconds. <laughs> all right. Yep. So let's go with uh, what we thought. Let's start with Ethan, shall we? Uh,
0: I, had a, I really enjoyed this. I, I love films that dissect uh, faith And especially in saying um, I'm going to compare this to something that it's it's way better than the film I'm comparing it to. It's sort of like with Hacksaw Ridge, how the main the main uh, point of it is is not faith, but it becomes the driving force. And I love it for that. And I love this film for that. And I really appreciate the cinematography. The music's good um even if the score is displaced at points but it's a good score no matter what i love the performances um and even with my little issues with how like a couple plot strands are handled i think it still comes together at the end so i'm going for eight trowels to dig uh starting blocks out of ten nice uh georgia
4: um, I would like to watch this film again when I'm not feeling quite so crappy. Is I think my biggest biggest issue with this at the moment because I watched it today and I won't lie, I I don't feel very well, so nothing's going to cheer me up particularly. Especially if I'm struggling to engage with it in the first place. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to give it a six and a half.
2: <laughs> six and a half COVID viewings out of ten.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Reverend Bruce. Okay, I you know what I'm going to give. I do. It. I'm going to give it a ten.
2: <laughs> You've given he, more films tens in this podcast than I have, sir.
3: <laughs> well, you know what that that one for Rebel Without a Cause that was too early. That I think became a six. So oh, this oh, okay. probably should nullify it. I'm going to give it a ten because of my personal connection to it. My religious background is little in so many ways, but my personality is Abrams. I'm little going up against power structures, and that's a long story, but it's uncanny. It has to be a 10 because this inspires me to, in what I do. And, but that's very individualistic, isn't it? That's okay. But, hmm. but it, it's so uncanny. Uh, I'm gonna give it nullify any other ten. No, you're fine,
2: you're fine. You're fine. You're
3: um, fine. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, it, it was. It was. Oh, I had ten. High pulpits. I don't use one of those things. <laughs> no. Ten high, high pulpits. pulpits
2: that you could fall off of. There we go. <laughs> um, I really liked this film. It was good to go back. It was a bit slower than I remember. That wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I did wish the two streams would cross at some point. Now yeah. I'm imagining a mashup of Chariots of Fire and Ghostbusters where the, the streams, streams eventually cross. <laughs> so I am going to give this. Uh, Eight cups of tea and slices of warm toast in the morning delivered to me out of 10. So, Georgia, really quickly, fifth chair, what do we have as sort of an overall ranking?
4: Uh, three other rankings, not including Reverend Bruce's, that yep. give us an average of five point three. Wow.
2: wow! That is some low watermark stuff there. But hey, uh, first off, we got to say it's been an absolute joy having Reverend Bruce with us here today. Thank so, you so, so much.
4: Yeah, thank you. Yes. Genuinely, I'm like. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely, <laughs> I want so you can come back more often. <laughs> and if
2: people want to know how they can get ahead and be on the end game, just like Reverend Bruce, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash bfe. We kept it simple for you. This has been a lot of fun, and I hope next week Reverend Bruce isn't aware of this. he sort of in inadvertently. Uh, kind of help me pick my pick for next week
1: because ah, my pick for
2: next week was uh, there was a joke that was made and it carried through and I went hang on let me check the rating for that and so I'm going to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs beat the Alabama crimson tide i am Ah. going to be doing the denzel washington film crimson tide for next week (laughs) everybody on board the submarine so why not come ahead join us next week as we tackle the gene hackman denzel washington film crimson tide it's been an absolute delight reverend bruce for best film ever i have been in. i've been Nathan.
3: I've been Reverend Bruce. And I've
2: been Georgia. Oh, I'm just trying to think of something. Um, Oh, you know what? Sometimes it's hard to come up with these catchphrases at the end, but to quote another film about putting the feet in front of each other, we're just going to just keep running. We'll catch you on the flippity-flop. Reverend Bruce? The (laughs) (laughs)
3: flippity-flip-flop.